Hi, everybody, and welcome to Totally Tin Tin. Almost forgot the name of the show again. <laughs> We're going to get less and less professional as things progress. Uh, I'm Ian Boothby. Is that possible? I'm David Dedrick. <laughs> and if you haven't listened to the show before, here's how it works. Uh, I'm a professional comic book writer, but I have never, and comic book fan, but I have never actually read Tintin before this podcast. So what we're going to do is go through every Tintin, uh, and uh, and I'm coming at it blind. have no idea really what I'm stumbling into. Whereas David, on the other hand... I'm a big fan of Hergé and of Tintin, and I've read them... I read them a lot when I was younger, but it's been a while for me too. So this has been an enjoyable reread of these books because it's been a while since I picked them up. So. And in uh, in a bit of a show-offy mood, uh, move, uh, Dave is also reading them in both English and French. Yes. Yeah. Even though I was, here's the thing: I work in comics, yet I have not read these. Yeah. Uh, I was born in Montreal, Quebec. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I do not speak French. Or, so, or read it. Right. So everything is reversey, reversey yeah. here. I don't speak it either, but I can I can read it. <laughs> Fairly fluently. And uh, today we're going to be going over Tintin, Cigars of the Pharaoh. Yes. And let me... So get out your books. Yeah. If open you want to... to page one. That's usually the best place to start. Mm-hmm. Unless you want to look at the page right before that and see what upcoming books are coming. Or check out copyright notices and see That's when right. it goes into public domain. There you go. Either way. Now to compare it, uh, not to compare it, but to use a metaphor, not even a metaphor. My grammar is terrible as well in this. Um, <laughs> here's, here's a comparison I'd like to make. In in terms of quality between the ones we've read so far yep. and this one, uh, do you remember in the Superman movie where Superman as a young man could like race a train or as a baby he could lift uh, like a tractor over his head and that's very impressive. That's impressive for a child uh, or a baby especially. Yes. But then at a certain point he goes up north, uh, builds his fortress of solitude, and after that he's Superman, and now we're all on board and he's doing Superman stuff. Okay. To me, this was the one where now Tintin is doing Superman stuff. Like, it starts so good, and it's like all, everything's, everything's together. Yeah. You know, you see in Congo, almost there, America, now we're really getting somewhere, and in this one, this just feels fully formed. Yeah, but it's tricky because... I'm these... saying that not knowing what's coming up. Maybe <laughs> compared to what's coming up, I'm, I'm wrong about that. But so far, it's like such a leap in quality from, say, Tintin in America, which I did still enjoy. Mm-hmm. But it, it's tricky because these books, um, this was one of the black and white books. This was published in Le Petit Vantium. So it was started in uh, 8th of December in 1932 and finished February in, in mid-February 1934. So, and this is his longest one. I think of all his books that he wrote, this was the longest. This was 124 pages. Okay. So, and this was done in his typical two page per day style, and or not page per two pages per week style, I should say. And he, uh, unlike um, with say, unlike the kind of travelogue styles of Congo or America or, or Land of the Soviets, he wanted to kind of still have that incorporated into it, but he wanted to put new elements into the stories. I think he felt like he was kind of repeating himself. And so he wanted to add elements of mystery and even the fantastic. So we see that with like the hypnotism and, uh, the, you know, the, the, the Egyptology of it to the curse and yeah, things of that. There's some out and out magic in this. Sure, sure. And it's fun. And, um, yeah. So this was like the last book that was redrawn of, of those early, uh, black and white ones. This one was redrawn in 1955. So I don't know why he did this one for the very last. So, you know, it has his work. It has some of his assistants who worked at uh, in the in his studio at that time. So it has a lot of 
it has a lot of people working on it and or, making it as good as it is. So it's hard well, to tell. Well, that's an important thing to bring yeah. up then is that uh, we are working uh, on the 1955 version of this. So, it, you know, kind it, of. Kind of. Well, are you are you going to be referring to the older versions in? Uh... Well, there's there's a 1955 one. Yeah. Then it was updated a little bit in 1970, and then it was given a further update in 85. So there's uh, not huge differences between those three. There's some differences, but each one had some changes to uh, to them. So it's yeah. it's interesting. I know there's one gag that changed over time. We'll get to that when we mm-hmm. get to that. Yeah. And when I was reading the story and that gag came up, it was a real noodle scratcher. Yeah. Yeah. It's Even, a weird, I remember when I was a kid. It's and a I weird read it. one. You're yeah. like, mm, that doesn't seem right at all. When you look at the back of the book, you, the books are there in chronological order. Right. We're all kind of spoiling what sure, it's going to be. Wanna, but... We don't want to talk about it okay. yet. But uh, yeah, it was had a few different names. It was Tintin in the Orient, mm-hmm. you know. So the tin, you know Tintin, the reporter of for the you know those long titles. They had the yeah. Ventians, Petit Ventium, blah blah blah. Tintin in the Orient. So that was one. Then it became uh, in the East, and then finally he settled on actually giving it a title that wasn't. Once again, he wanted to get away from that travelogue idea, right? And so let's get rid of East, Orient, Egypt, anything like that, and let's just call it the Cigars of the Pharaoh, which is a good sort of mystery. Uh, title because yeah. it kind of it's sort of about that and that is a thread through the story but it's not a major plot point you know throughout the story the really it's kind of a side thing that kind of comes up comes up every once in a while well so not to, not to judge a way. book by its cover but let's do that uh the last couple <laughs> of covers tintin in the land of the soviets at least the the collection that yeah. i was reading it's it's him standing in moscow yeah that's fine and then tintin in the congo he's Driving through the Congo, we're seeing the Congo. Yeah, I got you. Tintin in America. Uh, there's a First Nations person there uh, pointing at him. He's tied to his stake. Yeah. All right. This is a th- yeah. There you go. Uh, this one, it's a great cover. Yes. It's a cover that makes you go, "What's going on?" Yeah. You know, there's a bunch of people uh, apparently mummified or trapped or some such. Maybe they're alive. Maybe they're dead. We don't know. Mm-hmm. He's following a trail of cigars. That's just that's a grabber. You want to see what this story is all about? Yeah. Like that's what I mean by this one feels a bit more mature than the uh, than the other ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are kind of seeing seeing Tintin fully formed in this book, and it's it's not radically different than the black and white one in terms of content, uh, in terms of drawing style, and in terms like you know when he updated the books, he updated the drawing style to to suit that you know that mid period Hergé, and this one was was uh, completely redrawn. It wasn't some of them a few pages were were fixed up, but this one went through a complete uh, re. Uh, completely redone from beginning to end. Um, and I don't know why he felt... I guess he just didn't think the drawings were strong enough to... And again, if anyone out there knows... We'll throw out things like, I wonder why he did this, I wonder why <laughs> this happened. If you actually know, please do let us know at our uh, at our webpage, sneakerdragon.com. We'll give you that uh, later on as or well. Or write us a letter. Because uh, we want this to start a conversation. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you know things we don't know, let's share information, let's uh, just build that up. So, any, anything else before we uh, delve well, I was in? I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some of the influences on it, because I think that's an interesting... I want to do that, too. So, okay. carry Bec- on, my friend. Yeah, because, I mean, he obviously is kind of broadening the scope of, of Tintin, you know, instead of just being, a, you know, this story and a series of, of events. Like a book like The Congo, you could pretty much take it and mix up the scenes in it and put them back together and it wouldn't make a difference. It's a child playing with toys. Yeah. And now we're, we're playing with yeah. this set, now this set, but yeah, the yeah, story There's no real linear. through line in it at all. So right. the, the events can, you know, and same with Tintin in America. I mean, there is sort of a through line with, with the, the, the Smiles character 
you know, the sort of villain, but really the Bobby Smiles. But really, what's the what what's the story? I mean, you could take him out, and it wouldn't make a difference to the yeah. story. You could you know add a few more scenes of him; it wouldn't make it. You know, just there's no you could real start in the middle of the story and really yeah. not be that lost. Yeah, that's right. Uh, whereas this book has a an absolute starting point, even though. Once again, he was just making it up week by week. He wasn't, he had no plot. He had no, he hadn't written anything out. He just started and, but I think by this point he Which was... Which is a tough thing for a mystery. He must have known what it, what it was because the... Apparently they, not. Apparently he was just really going by the, by the seat of his pants. Wow. Which I think shows a real development. Wow, you know? that is something for a mystery. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And I'm maybe... I'm not judging, but you know, that, uh, <laughs> that took nerve. <laughs> so I was trying to think of influences. So, I mean, one of the... One, I think, obvious influence would be movies. He was a big movie fan. Yeah. And so, you know, movies like The Mummy or uh, there was a film based on a book, a French book uh, called Lant... Lant that's hard to say. It's Atlantide. And in that book, um, this guy that was written by a guy named Pierre Benoit, in the book and in the film, there's a scene of all these mum- mummies uh, standing up against a wall. And so, obviously, that influenced him to and gave him mm. this idea of having this this scene in the book and i don't know if that was a germ of this of the idea or it just was incorporated into it and then i was i was also thinking about well wash tubs for one the roy crane uh comic strip was that captain easy in wash tubs or was that uh... yeah captain easy was in it yeah the the original title was wash tubs who was the younger guy and then captain easy was the sort of the heroic character so it was a bit of a popeye they uh Mm -hmm. halfway through it was like hey you know who's more interesting this guy let's make him the star yeah yeah and then well because the adventure strips kind of took over from humor strips so you the humorous characters are kind of phased out in a way but uh, those are very uh kind of seat of your pants adventures as well you know with lots of lots of capers and things like that and it's possible that he saw those in american newspapers or in strips that were published in in europe there were strips that were brought over and were published like for instance the mickey mouse the floyd gottfordson i think would be another mm-hmm. uh, influence on this uh, on his stories uh in that terms of like a you know kind of a complicated um storyline you know and those were published in Le Petit Vantiem like they were brought in and published oh, okay. in the paper that he was editing so for certain he saw those and so I think those could have been a real because those were kind of pioneering in a way as adventure strips and I think that those kind of would probably have given him some some ideas to ideas to pursue and then there's the obvious kind of uh kind of pulp not truly pulp but the kind of pulpish writing of that time like Sax Romer or or uh his name Biggers, the guy who did Charlie Chan, and then uh, uh, John Buchan, who did like the Thirty Nine Steps, like those kind of writers who are writing these kind of fantastical mystery stories with a lot of kind of like science fiction incorporated or you know fantastical supernatural elements incor- incorporated into mystery stories. I think those would have been an influence on him as well as well as Dashiell Hammett. Now I've read people saying like Agatha Christie, you know that was popular at the time, and so he wanted to follow that as a mystery, but really. I think these books obviously fall outside of the idea of a of a you know Agatha Christie you know small house with a murder in it kind of stories where it's all based around a house. Like, well, without you know. the, there is there is the element though, you know, and again we this is a spoiler podcast by the way. So if you don't want the book spoiled, read the book first, and then we'll get back. to it. But there yes. are murderers, yeah, and there are many murderers, yeah, and those murderers are revealed in an Agatha Christie style, as in here's the room. Here we're taking these off. In a way, we, but now we know it's all of you. It's the yeah. one from before. That fellow, remember him that you just saw briefly? 
here he is. Yeah. That's, so that's I mean, kind of. A lot of books had that, but I mean, think Agatha Christie, I mean, all those things took place in a, in a, uh, like in a living room or whatever you'd right. say. And they, Agatha Christie planned in advance who the murderer was going that's to That's right. Be. And it was carefully yeah. planned to clues. She did not come to the last chapter and go, ooh, okay. Yeah. The gardener? Because in, in Cigars of the Pharaoh, there's really no mystery over about who is involved. Some some of them you're surprised at, but yeah. most of them, you know, are reacting. Someone's saying them, someone's phoning them, or they're getting a message to right. do something. You know, but there's nothing so. as blatant as you know in the last one, Gangsters Incorporated, yeah, or yeah. what have you. And it's like, well, I'm a gangster, see, and this is what it is, and I'm the villain, and I'll tell you that much. And here we go, let's move along. Yeah, there's actually some All reveals right. and surprises in this one. Okay, well, I think we can just. Uh, Start. All right. Well, let's get on the boat, Dave. Oh, that's actually, let's starts. just say, let let's me just get say, off the boat. Sorry. We're getting off the boat, everybody. I just want to Dave say one more thing say. before Everyone we disembark. before we go. Okay. I just, this was this uh, actually was the first book published by Casterman, who, if if you look at my French version of it, is the still the publisher of Tintin. Uh, now, what happened? It's kind of it's kind of an interesting story. Like, so Father Wallet, who we've talked about quite a bit, mm-hmm. was the editor of the La Vingtième Siècle, the the newspaper that Le Petit Vantiem was a supplement of. He did this big expose of corruption and scandal in this big public works project in Belgium called the uh, Canal Albert. Mm-hmm. And so he did these exposés. And so, but the guys who were exposed got really upset. One of them sued the paper. Okay. And he lost because... People exposed uh, about scandal usually do get upset. Yes. That's, that's yeah, reasonable. <laughs> and so, like I say, he sued the paper and lost. Mm-hmm. But then they went to... Uh, the bishop of Tournay and complained to him and said, you know, this is, a, you know, we've been attacked. This is not fair. Da, da, da. Yeah. And so in order to make nice, he actually asked for the resignation of uh, Father Wally from the paper. And so Wally had to resign. Mm-hmm. He had no choice because, you know, he was at the beck and call of the church. He's, you know, he wasn't an independent person. He was right. a, he was a priest who was in holy orders. And it's pretty low when you go running to the bishop and you don't have your own way, huh? <laughs> Truly is. So, yeah, he was forced to pay. So he went into like this big trough of depression. He was six months of just terrible depression. And then he was assigned as like the most backhanded, you know, goodbye, good riddance. He got assigned to be the uh, conservator of the ruins of the Abbey of Alm. <laughs> like, can you, you know, like this, they can't. Who was the second choice? I guess they couldn't send him to a desert island. Yeah. So this was as close as they could, right? So a tree. Who was the second choice? So okay. what happened though is this broke Hergé's, uh his connection to Le Petit Vantiem. Well, because he was trying, he was trying to please him. That's right. That was his connection. Right. Is he loved, he loved Father Wallet. Like he just admired him. He was a mentor to him. He he made him who he was. Uh, Hergé felt. But that's the thing about mentors. It's a good uh, thing to have the mentors eventually leave. It is good. And I mean, so, and I think it was good for him because, I mean, his contract with Le Petit Vantiem was just a, a handshake contract. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty draconian. Like, he had to give two years notice <laughs> to quit, you know. Well, though, since each of his stories ended up taking two years, basically he had to give one story notice. Yeah, I guess that was the idea. And so, so, but once, once, it was just a handshake. There was no signed contract or deal. So once Wale well, was it's gone, connected with God, how much more do you need than that? <laughs> once Wale was gone, there was no there was no reason to carry on. So he basically said, "I quit," and they came back and offered him way more money to stay, right. which he did. 
but he basically he was kind of the opposite of Tintin. He basically Tintin, yes, is, right. Tintin is always offered large amounts of money, and yeah. he's not interested at all. Yeah, and then immediately what happens? Usually he'll need that large amount of money. So basically, what he did was he uh, he he stayed on, but he gave up all his editorial control. And just concentrated on Tintin. He didn't want to be okay. responsible anymore for Le Petit Vingtien. Because basically, in his mind, Le, Le Vingtien Siècle was finished. Like once Father Wallet, the guiding force, right. you know, this charismatic, commanding leader, once he was gone, there was nothing. Well, and it sounded like he was working himself to death on that thing when we were saying all the things mm-hmm. he was yeah. involved in personally that yeah. he should have been delegating yeah. in the paper. Yeah. yeah. And oh, then this is all for the best. <laughs> well, I think he was that kind of person anyway. So now with Le Petit Vantiem, the deal between him and Father Willet was that when, like it was Father Willet's idea that they should take these stories and, co- and collect them together and publish them as hardcovers. And so the deal was, is that the newspaper acted as the publisher and they underwrote the cost of publishing. And then Hergé was responsible for the distribution. And then they shared it equally, half and half. That's how it went. So now we mentioned him in the very first show. This guy, whose name was Charles Lane, in 1932, he came up. He came, well, I should say who he is. We mentioned him because it was his, it was his idea to have uh, Tintin show up at a train station as a promotional right. thing live, af- after live action, that's yeah. right after Land of the Soviets. So it was his suggestion that well, we should have an actor or someone find someone to come and play Tintin. This so I thought was a great idea. So he was working at Levantium Siakla. And he had left them and gone to Casterman. So, of course, he knew Hergé. He came to him in 32. And, he, you know, he said, well, how about, you know, you can design some book jackets for us and do some illustrations. So Hergé was happy to do that. He, you know, he never said no to money or a job. So, because he never knew when it would stop. Yeah. You know, and that was a big fear to him was that all this, all this great things that were happening to him would stop. And he would have to go back to his old life and become what his parents wanted him to be. And that was like like death to him you know the idea they just have to work in a clothing store you know or become a bank teller or something so he uh he never said no to money so he was working for them doing that and then near the end of 33 so just just before he was going to start doing cigars of the pharaoh casterman approached him and proposed replacing le petit Vantiem as uh as the publisher of tintin now it was a good timing because father Willet was gone mm-hmm. Hergé was uh, unhappy with, you know, the situation. He was, you know, on Father Willet's side, so he was upset that he was let go. Yeah. So he was mad at the paper. So he didn't really want to be connected with him anymore. It was just a job to him now. And so he was happy with that idea. But uh, the one problem was, was Father Willet, you know, he still had an, kind of an agreement with, with Hergé, and he f- felt that he deserved the next three books still. Okay. He wanted to have a hand in those. To him, he was the creator of Tintin. Uh, it was his idea to have a boy and a dog oh, okay. having adventures. Right. You know, he's the one who suggested it to Hergé. Mm-hmm. It was his newspaper that promoted it and made it famous. Right. And it was his idea to collect them into books, into hardcover books. Mm-hmm. So These all sound like very public domain ideas, but okay, fair <laughs> enough. So a so, boy, well, wait a minute, you're telling me with a dog? Mm. And wait, you're going to like put them into hardcover books? Well, there you go. Copyright locked, sir. <laughs> of course, of course. At that time, uh, the oh, that time the um, how many boys and dogs were there? How many comics were collected into hardcover collections? You okay. know, so there is a little right. bit of a, a little bit of pioneering there. Oh, okay, but 
you know, really what it took was just a little bit of grease, right? A little bit of money. Yeah. And and someone who was amazingly good at doing this kind of thing. And which yeah. was Hergé. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's well, wonderful to go... Well, no, that's what I mean. But for Casterman, what yeah. it took for them to resolve this was basically they just paid Father Relay money, you know, said, well, what would you... You know, what would you expect to make from these? Right. We will, you know, give... And we'll, he, let's and reach he of a, course, said, no, it's about the art for me. Uh, money. Uh, no, I Take don't. your filthy lucre <laughs> away. And no, we just took the money. Yeah, yeah. Once again, an anti-Tintin thing to do. Well, anti-Tintin, but more, I think it's more about ego than it was about the money. Yeah. The money was just a recognition of his contribution. It just feels like all those things were like, well, I told him to write a love song, and then he wrote that amazing love song. Yeah, but he wrote the love song. Yeah. But it's oh, about a guy and a girl. I agree. And I, I think I mentioned something about the moon. Oh, yeah, well, you did. But then the other person wrote the moon song, so fair enough. So, uh, and it must have been difficult to uh, deal with him, because when he was, for a part of it, he's depressed. Yeah. Probably not very responsive and very ha- easy to deal with, you know. Mm-hmm. He hadn't quite reached the that, he hadn't come to acceptance yet. He was probably still in the anger stage or something. Uh, but anyway, so The Cigars of the Pharaohs was the first book published by Casterman. And... Erche, instead of getting like, you know, 50% of the take because he was paying for the distribution, now he was just paid like any writer. He got uh, three francs per copy sold up to 10,000. And then after that, two francs per, per copy sold. Okay. And that was the deal that he had at that time. I mean, of course, over time that was changed. But so there we go. So let's... Uh, Are we getting on the boat? Let's get on the boat. Get on the boat. All right. Uh, why I'm saying that is we're starting off on a boat, a very nicely drawn boat it is. Uh, yes. We're seeing old Tintin and Snowy, you know, and and this is one of the first ones that doesn't start with uh, Tintin, uh, boy reporter for Le Petit Ventium, uh, going off adventure. Yeah, it's, well, he's when, taking a break. When these books were redone, those a lot those kind of mentions were taken out a lot of, of them. Okay. So we see that in Tintin in America as well. If you read the black and white version, he works for Le Petit Vatiem. If you read the color version, he does not work for but Le Petit But regardless, Vatiem. he's on vacation right now. He's on vacation. When I, when, I, when I read through this, I went, I wonder if he's still a reporter. Because I know you were saying, you know, that as things progress, he less and less he does, is a reporter. He but he is it. later, they mention. Yeah, yeah. And again, there's another gag later that's a bit weird. And we're talking yeah. about we're talking about how difficult it would have, you know, he's starting this thing with, he's you know, every week he's going to be doing this mystery story without any plot. The first two pages of the black and white one, the first page is a giant kind of almost overhead shot of a boat in the water. Mm-hmm. And then the next page is the start of the story. So you can kind of seem kind of like, oh, I don't really have any really big <laughs> ideas yet. So let's just do a full big splash page People of a like boat. boats. And then we'll have another page with yeah. just kind of the start of the story with the uh, call to, to stop. You know, to... Yeah, the first page is uh, basically setting up, you know, we're on vacation. And you know what, Snowy? Look. Um, stop. Snowy complains about everything. Yeah. If, sn- if, if things are too hot, too cold, Snowy's complaining. Now Snowy's complaining about a vacation, <laughs> saying it's too boring for him. That guy just likes to gripe. Uh, but, uh, Tintin's laying out, uh, the pipe for, uh, where they're going on this trip. Yeah. And we're going to be going to Shanghai, Hong Kong's, uh, wait, sorry, I'm going the wrong way. Uh, port, uh, is it Said? 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 Said. Uh, Aden, Bombay, Colombo, Singapore, Hong Kong, and Shanghai. So that's going to be the trip. But yeah, it's interesting. Like that was not uh, in, in the in the nineteen seventy version. Uh, they're going through the Suez Canal, then to Aden, then uh, to Bombay, then Colo- Colombo, and 
and then to Ceylon, which of course I don't, it's no longer called Ceylon. I don't know. Sorry, folks, I don't know what the actual title is. Is it Myanmar now? I don't know. But uh, if you're from there, write us and let us know. Yeah. And are you still so, there? Does it still exist? So now, if we look at our maps, we both have a map in our book. Right. My map is different oh, than your, your map. map is very, mine is just all Asia. Yeah. And so the original one was, had uh, a bit of Europe. And then it went over to Asia as well. For some reason, in the 1970 version, it became just a tour of the Mediterranean. Oh. Rather than, even though he talks about going to Bombay, and I guess maybe by going to Bombay, he meant they're going to go around the Mediterranean, then down around Africa, and then back up towards India as if they were, there was no Suez Canal. So I don't know if, and it's weird to me, the, was the Suez Canal going through some sort of uh, temporary closure at that time? And he just, I don't know. I don't know. It's either. very strange. So... That was that was the nineteen seventy book when they in eighty seven when they they did a new version of it they they reinstated the original map to a degree it's a little bit different than the, than in the nineteen fifty five one but it's uh, that that's basically the the correct map that oh cool all right so Snowy's complaining about there's no action uh, actually hoping that someone will get thrown overboard he's not really <laughs> meaning it though Snowy got yeah. thrown overboard recently in uh, in one of the uh, comics so that's right you know what maybe maybe he shouldn't be Tintin saying that Congo. kind of business yeah exactly uh, but uh, someone is crying for help so now let's get on the way the action has begun and uh, we see a gentleman in a top hat chasing a piece of paper and uh, it's exciting and a run cycle is beginning and Tintin runs really well in this yes that's really that's really nice running like the I'm just gonna comment on the art here uh, I like Tintin's pants <laughs> I think I the too. folds are nice. It's yeah. moving. He's got nice skinny ankles. Yeah. And uh, he's, it's just good. Looks good. Yeah, these were done at the height of Hergé. I think at the height of Hergé's powers as an artist and, or at least interest as an artist. And his his clear line, I think I've talked about it before and I'll talk about it again, is that it's interesting looking at uh, the actual pages of art and you can see where he's whited out details that he thinks are extraneous so mm -hmm. it, he wants it even purer than he started you know so he gets he drew it he inked it and he looks at it and he goes too many lines i'm going to take out these lines and so then he starts moving removing folds removing wrinkles in yeah. the clothing it's interesting because it's actually very hard to do that as an artist it's it's much easier to fill space than it is to empty it right but it's a distraction it slows you down if mm. you want the pacing as you do here yeah, yeah. to be uh clip and clop and along <laughs> yeah you, you want to be as uh, you know sparse as you can yeah and what's really great about it is the use of the the railing to give it this forward the sense of forward momentum like because the railing is at the same height through all those pages mm -hmm. so you get this sense of the continuity of that scene so you know the railing you know, kind of keeps moving with Tintin. So it gives it this sense of kind of like speed lines almost. It's cleverly done. So uh, Tintin is chasing the paper and a uh, seaman uh, hears uh, the guy uh, shouting and thinks so. Uh, oh, Tintin's up to no good. Uh, and Tintin gives him a little uh, head to the belly, which is Tintin's signature fighting move. Yeah, though it's unintentional this time. He's not actually fighting him. But if you if Tintin hits your, your stomach with his head, you're going down. You're going yeah. down hard. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the paper uh, blows overboard, uh, much sadness, and uh, we then cross over to the next page where a little bit of shtick's going on. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, almost a almost a kind of a pre preview of uh, of uh, Professor, or I guess Cuthbert Calculus, Professor Calculus, having a sort of absent-minded professor, which was a common yeah. comic strip trope to have. Uh, you know, if you're gonna have a professor. 
He has to be absent-minded. Well, Hergé was not beyond taking the common tropes no, no. and making them his own. No, not and at all. And why not? They're there. <laughs> they're public domain. Use them. <laughs> Use everything in the fridge. That's so, right. So uh, this uh, this fellow who we'll later learn is um, uh, professor or doctor. Is it? Uh, could be both. Uh, sarcophagus is um, is trying to row a boat, but the boat is a lifeboat, and it's up in the air. He can't row that boat. Well, he can, but you know. And in that way, he has invented the rowing machine. It's it's interesting. In in the the French version has a different name for him. So in, in this one, it's Sophocles sarcophagus. In the French version, it's uh, Philemon Cyclone. Ooh, I like Cyclone. C- Cyclone, yes. nice. <laughs> and that's not just because I've got a character called Doctor Sarcophagus that I uh, that I write. <laughs> when I found that out and I looked that up, I was like, oh, nuts, this guy. So um, now Tintin and him are meeting, and he's a bit confused. Yes, was... the events of the last page he does not remember. What, to call him absent-minded is to be fair to is be overly fair to him. I think. Right, we are we are way beyond absent-minded. Yeah, I... And uh, he we'll suffers find... from some memento-like. Uh, yeah, we'll find out later. Short-term it, memory problem. It will border on the sad, but uh, <laughs> we don't know what's sad yet. So let's just enjoy it for the funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, he absentmindedly wanders into. Now, what do you call those in a boat? Uh, the vent. The vent. Yeah. Uh, does a big f- uh, face plant into the vent, and it's more of the Tintin stars that we saw on the previous page. Once again, something I really like cartoon-wise here. Uh, all yeah. the stars are a different color. Yeah, it's we're, a nice touch. We're normally in a comic strip. You know, it's kind of boring. Charlie Brown gets uh, hit in the head by a baseball. You're going to see a bunch of yellow stars, but yeah. you're not going to see all the different colors. Yeah, and good for him. So, uh, so uh, he uh, thinks that uh, the the stack or the vent is a person. Walks away, and uh, oh, someone is uh, someone's grabbed him. A tough. Yes, it's not a, well, not a tough. It's uh, the first appearance by uh, I guess what becomes a uh, recurring character. Roberto Rastapopoulos. I'm going to let you say these names because you've been thinking them all your life since so. you were a young man. And for me, they're almost all just almost impossible, impossible to say. A name suggested to Hergé by a friend that he thought was quite a, uh, an amusing name. So he, he took it and used it for himself. And uh, yeah, so we'll see uh, Rastapop- Rastapopoulos is sort of the Moriarty to... Ter- Tintin Sherlock Holmes. Oh, is that uh, right? For, or Lex okay. Luthor to a Superman. But all we know He'll, right now is he, he's the millionaire film tycoon, yeah. king of Cosmos Pictures. So we'll see him again in the Blue Lotus and the Red Sea Sharks and then in the final book. Now, the quick Flight question here. Uh, when uh, Tintin says, and it's not the first time we've met, you know. Uh, yes, because uh, if you remember back to Tintin in America, there's a scene where he's having at a banquet. Yeah. Sitting beside him is Roberto Rastapopoulos. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. I did not. I did we not did, know that. We did comment on it during the show, but I don't listen to the show. <laughs> yes. Well, at, at that point in the show, we were probably both suffering from uh, exhaustion, so right. we we're just the fatigue. We were just merely mouthing we, words. We were the absent-minded professors. <laughs> we, had, we had no 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 mind to be upset about. Well, now we've had a comic relief character leave. And, like, uh, what's going to happen now? Well, two comic relief characters enter. And uh, I'm assuming... Yes. We're going to be seeing more of these fellows in future uh, Tintins. I'm, I'm just guessing yeah. that from the covers <laughs> of future Tintins. Yes, a pretty, a pretty brilliant... Uh a pretty brilliant appearance, an invention, partly based on his, on his father and his uncle, who were actual identical twins. And the only things that dif- different about them were their mustaches, just like with Thompson and Thompson, or as they're known in French, Dupont and Dupont. Uh, one with a D and one with a T. Okay. So, and I don't think they can do the, we'll have to see later if the joke that's done, because I always like the, uh, the P.S. Silent is in Psychic. 
And I always like that uh, with Thompson and Thompson. Yeah. So it's um, it'll be interesting. And they are uh, what's it? Okay. In the black and white version, they yeah. weren't actually called Tom or well, Dupont and Dupont or Thompson and Thompson. Their names were Agents X thirty three and X thirty three A, and that's how they refer refer to throughout the entire book this is just yeah it is just rewritten when it was now and again i'm saying that this is the first appearance of these characters which is not true uh they were retroactively uh fit into uh, in in congo that's right they're they're at the railway station yeah two uh just regular guys were redrawn and uh, became Mm -hmm. them yeah yeah and so it's a but they're cleverly in that instance they are not introduced into the story or introduced to tintin so that they can be there, they can be commenting. Oh, uh, it looks like a young reporter is going on going on a trip, but you know they have no interest in him outside of that. So so it doesn't spoil their introduction in this book. So right. that's that is good. And they and yeah, they are. Um, but what is when I was when I discovered that their original name was X thirty three and X thirty three A, I was thinking, was that a popular spy? To have an X in it, because I was thinking of Dashiell Hammett and Alex Raymond's comic strip from around the same time, uh, Secret Agent X9. Oh, okay. Which became, was it Flash Corrigan or some kind of name like that, or Bud Corrigan or something? Uh, but yeah, originally it was Secret Agent X9, which I th- it's kind of weird, right? Like, yeah. So you, like, I don't know how much Tintin reached North America during that well, time. It would have been very difficult. Someone would have had to be actively interested now, in... Now, are these agents out. or are they police officers? I just assumed they were police officers. I think that they're like Interpol agents because okay. they certainly have a brief way outside of Europe. Uh, they're everywhere. You know, they're in South America. They're mm-hmm. in the Middle East. They're, you know, they're not so in one country. They're in England. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter where he goes. Like they just they say can, here, we arrest you in the name of the law. Yeah. The generic yeah. law. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think anyone would say, I arrest you in the name of Interpol law, because that's, what does that mean? I think they would identify themselves as Interpol agents and then arrest you. They would say, we're... Maybe. And explain where they're from. Otherwise, Maybe. they're just two guys on a boat yeah. I don't who think, are telling you you're under arrest. You I don't think that, think are that you the Hergé, ship security? As Hergé had his clear line in drawing, he also had a clear line in his writing, mm-hmm. which was to leave out things that weren't important. You know, it's not important who they work for. You know, we can imagine that they work for a kind of international organization that allows them to operate in any country that they happen to be in, whether it's, you know, Egypt or You're China. You're making them sound really cool, by the way. Even cooler than when they were called X something. Well, you know, I mean, they are bumbling in a way. I mean, that they're over eager and they're kind of, kind of naive, but they're not terrible police officers. They do manage to track him down quite a bit. In all kinds of different places, and they do have good word and, wordplay, and they rescue Snowy as well. Yeah, so yeah. they're not they're not dummies, but uh, no, but it's a typical action movie thing where you have characters off the top who you're running from, and yeah. then by the end, if you're a good person and they're sort of a good person, you'll be friends by the end. Sure, and then you've got them as an ally but in the next. That story. won't that will never stop them from from trying to arrest Tintin at any in any other book where they think he needs should be arrested. Right. Their friendship has nothing to do with that. Their jobs come first. Yep. So as we see in this book as well. What's interesting in the French version, uh, in the English version, Tintin is found. They come, you know, they're introduced. They've come to search his room. They've been given a tip off. They come in and they find in the English version they find heroin. Yeah. Which seems like heroin. And a book when you bought this book, you bought it in what section at the bookstore? Uh, children's section, ages nine to twelve. Nine to twelve, the perfect age for heroin. <laughs> which 
But what seems well, strange? the perfect actually, you know, it's not the it's not the worst age for telling kids, you know, it's a terrible, terrible, terrible drug, so bad yeah. that you will be arrested on a boat in the middle of the sea. See, there's some people who would find that rather enticing, but would would they the being arrested on a boat in the middle of the sea? Sure. Now, what's interesting in the French version, it's cocaine. So I don't know why it was thought that heroin was a, a better one. Yeah, or is I'd it go worse? With, I'd go with heroin. I think if you had a choice of heroin or cocaine, not for using, obviously, folks. Come on, yeah, we're both pretty straight edge. Uh, but uh, heroin seems more international, at least nowadays. Well, heroin to me. makes more sense in terms of what you would find growing in the Middle East or in the Asian Asia, continent, yeah. yeah, like Afghanistan or India. Then feels more exotic because whereas cocaine, I I assume comes from Central or South America is more where you'd find like yeah. that. It also feels like an eighties movie all of a sudden. Is that right? Well, it feels very lethal weapon to Suddenly. me. It's like, we found all this cocaine. What year is it? You know, Tintin's, but heroin is forever. Tintin's wielding a chainsaw. A little bit. Sure. Say hello to my little friend. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So this is, now Tintin has a history of being arrested. Tintin, if you lined up Tintin's rap sheet, yeah. I'm assuming it's going to get longer and longer and longer, but uh, people like locking this kid up. And, well, they found the heroin, so they did lock him up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, the porthole is open. And he uh, makes the first of, you know, he makes uh, another in a long line. We shouldn't line. say first. <laughs> it's well, this issue. This issue. Okay. Uh, another in a long line of daring escapes. Yes. Yes. I don't quite understand. This what one is a, but this one is lucky, of course. That's and a, funny. That's an essence of, but funny and clever. Yeah. That's an, that's an essence of, of, of Tintin is that there's luck involved, you know, like, because you can't help it. I was reading uh, a different, um, Hergé book, the, um, it was uh, the uh, Joe Zet, Joe Zet, and wait, is it Joe Zet and Jocko? Anyway, there's other books that he wrote, and in those books, it was the same thing again. You know, it's a it's a bunch of hair raising scenes and incredible escapes that you know, if you didn't have luck go your way, you would end up flat as a pancake, right? Or you know, laying under the ground, right? You're not seeing all the other boy reporters that don't. Make it. <laughs> That's right. They're not as interesting. That's as the reason we hire the boy reporters. That they're cheap. The they're luck. plentiful. <laughs> But we luckily we found one who is so lucky. What a streak of luck! It's me. It's, yeah, we're only had seeing the one where it all works out from. Let's just let's not fool ourselves. <laughs> there's Tauntaun, there's Toontoon, all those kids. They are not making it through this. Yeah, uh, I don't quite understand why he doesn't just jump in the water and swim. But you know, fair enough. He jumps in the boat. Much, much more clever. Yeah, it is much more clever. And so uh, they are there in uh, Port Said uh, and run into there's a sarcophagus. Yes. Or Cyclone. And we're uh, cutting back every so often uh, to, to a note uh, filling uh, someone, we don't know who, in on uh, what Tintin's up up against. And there's yeah. a little mysterious uh, symbol at the very bottom that, at least in my book, I recognize from uh, the word pharaoh. Uh, they, they put that in the O in the cover of my book. Yeah. So I know there's something about that. Yes. You are, you but are in hip. your original versions, you do not have that. Why not? Uh, because I've looked at the original covers. Oh, the original, the original covers, covers, yeah. The original covers did yeah. not have that. Yeah, no, it would have been the 1955 version. Okay. So Thompson and Thompson are now uh, dressed up. Maybe they're undercover. Maybe they're just blending in. The one thing we don't see, though, uh, when we read, like if you look at the old book, the one thing you're missing is the fact that every issue of Le Petit Vantiem had had a splash page, basically, a Tintin splash page on it. Oh. So there would be one like with a giant cigar. The cigar isn't giant, like it's not like Tintin standing, but I just mean a big a picture, like a full page splash of a cigar with the band and that okay. marking on it. You know, so you would have that as a different, 
a different kind of context than, than we're getting. So Are those available uh, online anywhere to uh, take a look at? Ah, uh, they might be. I'll have right. to take, take a look. Once again, we I turn to a, you, gentle listener, if they are. I have let a us book know. that has them in it, so okay. I've never thought to, uh, to do that. So Tintin has met up uh, with Sarcophagus. And we just see to that, interrupt, there are please. sites that have like all the Tintin, like the Tintin magazine covers. Oh, cool. All right. So you could find, so I imagine that someone Maybe we can put a link to that up sure. on our uh, Facebook page. Why not? Or our main page. All right. So now uh, we're going through the desert. Looks like they're on a couple of burrows. You know horses better than me. Are those burrows there? Uh, they're uh, donkeys? What <laughs> yes. What do you think? They are donkeys. Donkeys. Okay. Which and, is, a, when you say burrow, you're just saying the Spanish word for donkey. So I have learned something today. <laughs> it's not a separate animal. All right. But did you know that the double R in Spanish is a separate letter? I did now, not know now that. Now you've learned something. All right, we're educating too much. Let's get on with the story. Uh, so <laughs> Professor and Tintin are uh, being walked through the desert. And uh, according to uh, according to the papyrus, am I saying that right? Boy, howdy. Uh, the tomb can't be far away. You know, it's all these words that you read and you go, yeah, I completely know sure. that word. And then all of a sudden sure. you've got to say Leviathan mm-hmm. and you look like an idiot. Yeah. I know. Leviathan. Nope. No. I did that with uh, ennui. I said NUI for most of my <laughs> life until someone corrected me one day. Was I my face red? So uh, we're getting to some pyramids. Yes. They asked the person who's leading them, their guide, uh, to wait for them, and they'll return this evening. Interestingly, these were these are not included in the black and white one. There were no uh, pyramids visible, which is interesting because mm. you'd think that that's something you'd want to show as a kind of a set, a scene setter, but uh, no. Uh, one thing I like on this page, I, were you going to say anything? Okay, well, they're, obviously they're walking along. One thing that's interesting is how silent Snowy is when, now. Like when, like, uh, if, you know, I think in Tintin America or in the Congo, Snowy would be like one long, mon- one long running monologue. Yeah, well, uh, whining pages. about the sand, mm-hmm. it's too hot on his feet, he yeah. wants a bone. But it seems like if it's not just him and Tintin by themselves, Snowy doesn't have very much to say. I also think Snowy's a little thirsty right now because I can see his tongue out through this whole thing. <laughs> so that dog, uh, that dog's getting a little hot. Maybe that's what's happening with him. Yeah. So, okay. Some uh, good drawings of Snowy. Too. Yeah, they are good drawings of Snowy. He's a very adorable dog in this. Well, it's time to now start digging, and uh, they find uh, the tomb. Just like that. Yeah. That was well. What do you want? What do you want? Pages of just digging. Is that what you're looking for? And then, uh, oh, I just. In the French, I just love this uh, this little exclamation they have. Often they'll say sapristi, and I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's just a nonsense. If it's like a nonsense, like, you know, we'll say like like uh, gadzooks or yeah. odds bodskins. Like su- surprise. Which, yeah. were, which were like variants of God's body, you know, so that was considered bad to say God's body. So you said things like odds bodskins or whatever. Right. And so I wonder if sapristi is like a version of sacristy, if they just made sacristy into a nonsense word but i don't know but this again, is again let us know it's you sure, guys know if you know that but this word this word don't is great just yell at your podcast write it write us and let us know <laughs> then we'll all know here's a really great exclamation okay. that he that he makes when he finds this cigar lying in the in the sand which is separately popette <laughs> which means i don't know <laughs> i have no idea is this a nonsense phrase a little nonsense word i don't know but it's we great. really could run all these through google translate and just see what eh. comes up what's the fun of that you don't want to live in the present yeah, you we're reading Tintin. We're reading Tintin. For a reason. So well, here we get a close-up of that uh, symbol that's on the cigar right, well, that we saw on the note. Well, this is, this is our first appearance of the... Uh, see? I don't know what the... Oh, man. Guys, uh, those of you listening, uh, and I know you are because that's the only way you can consume this. Are going to say glyph? No. Oh. I was going to say uh, titular. Is uh, that correct? Sure, yeah. You're the titular character of, the, uh, of this uh, story. We've just met the cigar 
of the Pharaoh right here. Okay. We're on it. If this was a movie and they said Cigar of the Pharaoh, the polite thing to do would be to clap. Oh, I thought you'd just go, yes. Or you can go, yeah, That's you what Penn that. and Teller said you should do. Oh, sure. That's also nice. So, uh, yeah, Tintin spotting the symbol. We recognize the symbol from those notes. Uh, telling uh, probably <laughs> someone bad where Tintin's at. <laughs> yes. You know, all the pieces are coming together. It seems unlikely that a guardian angel is keeping very close watch on Tintin. Although I think, I think Tintin he does has, have a guardian angel. Yeah, he buys pretty, those things by the dozen. Pretty powerful guardian right. angel. All right, so uh, then all of a sudden, Dr. Sarcophagus, he's, he's gone missing. Looking around, looking around, uh, and we're, we're back to Snowy talking. He smells danger. There's dirty work somewhere around here. He does. Once again, we don't know whether Tintin can understand him. Well, here's Dave the thing. Dave feels that he can't. Here's the thing. When t- when somebody's talking, yeah. he's talking to Tintin, but Tintin's not paying attention to him. And when he's notifying Tintin of something, he, s- he barks. He says, woo woo Oh, so that's a not, dog bark? That's a dog bark, yeah. Okay, so he's not just going, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. He's... He's barking. Okay. And that's how he's notif- That's how he's telling Tintin there's something there. So in the other books, he would have said, hey, Tintin, look what I see. And Tintin would have said, what do you see? Oh, there's a trap door. In this, in this book, we hear Snowy's thoughts the same way we'll hear the elephant's thoughts later on in the story, right. or we heard animal's thoughts in other books. But it, now, Tint- or Snowy is like those animals in other books. Right. Unlike before, where he and Tintin had a relationship, now... The relationship is master and dog. We, yeah, you could write a whole book on this, <laughs> on their relationship and what's up. <laughs> sure. So uh, they both uh, end up going inside the tomb, and it shuts. And it's creepy, actually, seeing that uh, door shutting mm-hmm. with uh, Dr. Sarcophagus's uh, top hat still there. Yeah. That's just uh, chilling. It feels like we're now we're in the deep end of the pool. Yes. Like, we're really fully in the story. They were sure. right to make this next scene the cover of this, because it is the most... Ugh, Scene. Well, it also connects it because you see the the mummified, uh, pr- I assume they're professors who have also been caught in this trap. Uh, you see them, and you also see the cigars. So you see, a, you know, it's sort of a Egyptian scene, and then you see the cigars. Yeah, that's the chilling thing. Like, uh, again, I'm not giving you any spoilers because it's the cover of the story. <laughs> and even if I was, it's a spoiler podcast. That's yeah, what's going to happen. Yeah, a spoiler podcast. So we have the, uh, the people that, uh, I don't even know really the reason for this. Except turn back now, you fool. Uh, but they've mummified uh, the people who have come in before, uh, apparently recently, because they're all wearing modern dress. Yeah. Uh, and with their names underneath. And uh, it's uh, it's spooky. It's spooky. If you had it this in a, in a film, that would be, it would be too uh, risque for the children. But back then, nope. There's a little, the bit, of, there's a little bit of fun here on, on Hergé's part. It, it's on the cover. And it's also in this the first panel of page eight. Uh, there is a... a one of the professors who's been caught is E.P. Uh, Jacobin, which is a which is a, a car- little funny caricature and reference to E.P. Jacobs, who was a friend of Hergé and was the first person to work with him on the books as an assistant doing coloring. And uh, Jacobs was a he was an artist, but he was also he also sang opera. He worked for the opera. Okay. When he was younger, he sang and he also did paint like uh, set painting and stuff like that. And when the, his career as an opera singer didn't pan out, he moved into like doing advertising illustrations and stuff like that. And then he started to do a little bit of cartooning, and he met Hergé. And Hergé brought him on board to help him uh, get the uh, old books into, a color, into the color versions, because he needed an assistant for that. So, so Jacobs was his assistant, and Jacobs went on to create what is probably the most talkative comic ever written, 
It's called Blake and Mortimer. Okay. It's more talkative than even an EC comic, which were pretty talkative. And it's, it's, you know, it's like when you're reading, my French is pretty good, but even I find it a chore reading Blake and Mortimer because it has a drawing. Yeah. It has everything you need to see <laughs> in that drawing. Yet there's always about a 15 line he- header that tells you what's going on in the scene. Although you can see it. Yeah. And then there's also very expansive word balloons of the characters talking to each other in great detail. Oh, it's so much reading. <laughs> it's more than you want to read. Well, when speaking you're reading a of comic EC, strip. if you're looking at uh, the top of page eight, you yeah. know, we see the different mummified professors. So yeah. we're going along. Yeah. And the next page is where an EC comic would end. <laughs> which, which is <laughs> which is fine, you know, a, ma- yeah. a boy and his dog seeing yeah. empty grave, uh, empty empty tombs with their names on them yeah. that are proportionately sized for the two of them. Like the, it's it's both a funny and a creepy thing yeah. to see a tomb for Snowy that someone had to build. Yeah, it looks like the rest were generic. The well, rest it doesn't came- though because if you look at the one, the first tomb, the first filled sarcophagus, yeah, which has Carnarvon, yeah. Which is a uh, reference to Lord Carnarvon, who was one of the people who opened. Carnarvon. Wait, where are you looking on here? Show me. Right there. Where? What's the name there in the English version? Uh, I got. No, no, no. In in second second panel. Second panel. Yeah. The one you're referring to that has Tintin and Snowy reacting to their. I got uh, Sandys. Oh, interesting. So in in the French version, it was Carnarvon, and that was a reference to Lord Carnarvon, who was one of the uh, people who discovered Tutankhamun's tomb. And he was the first one to die of the okay. quote-unquote curse. But of if you look at the other tombs, they're like all the tombs are the same size, except for Sandy's or Carnarvon, yeah. where they had to cut a hole for his head. Yeah, because the guy's just too big. Yeah, but Snowy, they didn't uh, buy just this this one off the rack. No, they took their time. Yeah. and uh, built built one. You know what I think they just did? They took a coffin from a cat because you know they they like uh, burying people with their cats. So they had one of those. They just pulled that off because they're not building. A f- a f- oh, the dog's coming. We're going to build a tomb for the dog yeah. proportionately sized. No, I don't buy that. <laughs> anyway, it's good creepiness. Uh, yeah. It freaks out Tintin. And uh, he says, no, no, never in a thousand years. No one's going to turn me into a mummy. we got to get out of here fast. Yeah. So this is where it stops being an easy uh, comic and we're moving along. Uh, we're seeing now bits of Dr. Sarcophagus's uh, clothing and uh, items. We see an umbrella. We see uh, his shirt cuffs and his tailcoat. And uh, they're trying to find a way out. But nope, another door is shutting in on us. Really are trapped. And uh, and then they discover some boxes. Yes. And finally, we find more of the titular cigars. Oh, I'm so glad I said that right. <laughs> now, it's funny. When you get a close-up of the cigars... Uh, Tintin has very well-drawn hands. I'm going to say maybe a little too wrinkly. I'm going to yeah. give a little critique on this and look like uh, if this was a movie, you'd go, they just used the cameraman's hands because the actor was was offset that day. Okay. And they didn't want to bring him in for the one hand close-up. So you're thinking up. that Hergé, who is a little bit older, he's probably in his in his 30s yeah. by the time he was drawing this, he modeled with his own I hands? I think you're seeing a cameo of yeah. Hergé's hands yeah, there because they're be. a little too wrinkly for a... 16, 17, 18-year-old boy. I, I agree with you. All right. He should have had the whiteout and, uh, or I think he didn't use whiteout, he used acrylic, white acrylic to, yeah. uh, to draw well, it. The, the whiteout didn't exist yet, so no, why would he true. use it? That's the problem. Michael Nesmith's mother, well, she would have been born by then, but she wouldn't have uh, come up with it yet. 
All right, so uh, uh, looking at the cigars, when all of a sudden some gas comes in, and we have a, a scary scene uh, flashing flashing back to, well, not flashing back, but uh, seeing Tintin's fear of being mummified. So we see what it would look like if him and Tintin, if him and Snowy were mummified. Yeah. And then Egyptian gods are floating over their heads, and we're seeing Thompson and Thompson in Egyptian outfits. It's actually, it's very funny and also creepy. It's a nice mix. Yeah. These two, both these two pages are a good mix of creepy and funny. Yeah. 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 Reading as a kid, you're on the seat of, you're the seat of your, you're on the edge of your seat. Your edge of the seat of your pants. The edge of the seat of your pants. Exactly. <laughs> that's how, that's how much it yes, is. Yes. You're, yes. You're, you're going by the seat of your pants. You're also on the edge of your seat. So while Tintin is being dragged away by these Egyptian characters, oh, that's, that's a pretty funny drawing of an Egyptian snowy there. Mm-hmm. Snowy, snowy yeah. dog's head. Uh, then we cut to a mi- meanwhile and see what Thompson and Thompson are up to. Also a baby uh, Tintin as well. Oh, that is cute. That's, 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 and, and boy, sarcophagus looks very Freudian, as in he looks like Freud. Yeah. Right there. Sometimes you, the cigar of the pharaoh is just a cigar of the pharaoh. Okay. That joke is out of the way. Now we don't do, need to do it for the rest of the podcast, right? Come all right. On. You've all, you were all waiting for it. Were and they there really? there it is. Were they really yeah. waiting for it? Were you? They were, they were waiting to set their I watches step, to it. And now you know it's exactly did I step on, your on joke? the hour. Sorry. No, you didn't step on my Sorry joke. Sorry about friend. that. Um, so yeah, back to the desert. Uh, meanwhile, uh, yeah, he's uh, not coming back. It looks like uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, tour guide. That's uh, that's the wrong word. Guide uh, is uh, telling Thompson and Thompson that uh, they did not come back. It's funny in my version, he's telling Dupont Dupont that. But anyway, oh, um, well, you can return yours and get one that's right. <laughs> so uh, now we have an interesting revision because what uh, Hergé did was introduce a character that was actually only. Oh, it was appeared in the crab with the golden claws. That was the original, original appearance by by Ellen, mm-hmm. the henchman of Rastapopoulos. But because he'd been introduced as a henchman of Rastapopoulos, when when uh, when Hergé was redoing it, he he you know, sort of introduced him in this book. So in order to kind of give a continuity through the stories of of with Ellen and who is a no good Nick, and then you know you'll see him being a no good Nick to Captain Haddock later on, but. This was a good good way to introduce him. It's one of those sort of changes where you're like, well, I don't mind that. That's that's not a bad idea. So uh, so yeah, then uh, he's getting busted by the coast guards. Uh, throws throws the three packages overboard, which are Tintin, Snowy, and Doctor Sarcophagus. Yes. Uh, good luck for them. <laughs> bad luck for him, uh, because he then gets a note immediately saying three coffins shipped by mistake. They contain prisoners. Uh, guards strictly. Uh, pending fresh orders, important, repeat, important. Yes. Because uh, back in those days, they did not have a bold font. So you actually had to say that twice. <laughs> Though it wasn't so important that they would use an exclamation mark. Yeah. Because they are gentlemen and they will not yell. Good for them. Interesting. It only says uh, very important in here. It doesn't say repeat. Oh, okay. Yeah, important, repeat, important. Hmm. I guess I mean, comedy-wise, I think uh, important repeat important works. I think the reason they did that was because English is always sh- little shorter than French, so they needed to fill out the note a bit more to make, sure. make a reason why it was so big. But I, this is a wonderful image, I think, of uh, the well. First, you have the sarcophagus is floating away from the ship at night, so mm-hmm. they, and then it cuts to the morning, and for whatever reason, they must have used uh, rope that melts in the water <laughs> because. Uh, Tintin can easily open up his sarcophagus, breaking the rope. Then he quickly f- frees uh, Snowy from his, 
And then we see Dr. Sarcophagus, who, you know, he's he's no boy reporter. Mm. And he can get out of his as well. So I'm going to bet. It's in, look, the last uh, one of the last times we saw Tintin, mm-hmm. he was trapped in a car. Yeah. I'm talking the last issue. Yeah. Uh, and he had a saw. He brought a saw with him. But what, what did Sarcophagus have? Well, here's what. Oh, well, here's. Uh, yeah, your explanation has gone on. No, you're and Why is right. Sarcophagus dressed again? <laughs> oh, right. He his was stripping waist... down. Where did he get his top hat? Yeah. It was left outside. Does he have a spare top hat? He must. He must. It must be an opera hat, one of those ones that are collapsible. Well, what he were they going to do with these prisoners? He keeps it in a fanny pack. What was the idea? They were going to, like. Oh, they were going to mummify them? I guess so. Okay. Why were they taking them away to mummify them and then bring them back? I think they were accidentally picked up and taken away. I don't think that was intentional. All right. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, what you do when you've got a pri- Oh, here's the. Here, I'll give you the explanation. Sure. So you're taking your doctor sarcophagus out. Yeah. And you're going to mummify him and put him into that creepy uh, mummy position, sure. right? Sure. Well, everyone else that you see is dressed the way they were dressed because they were explorers. And so it's creepier to see them dressed in the full outfit. You don't want to see him just in like an undershirt. That would be weird. No, that's not how you present a person. Yeah. So they gathered all of his stuff. Okay. Redressed him. Okay. And it's time now for the mummying to start. But, uh, you know, this happened. So that all makes sense. <laughs> sure. They di- he didn't lose all these things. They were still in the tomb and that's the people true. who were doing it. That's true. You know, you want to make a good creep fest? You put him in his hat. <laughs> all right. And I just love the... Uh... The way that they can't hear each other as they're floating farther and farther apart. Yeah, how they do that is quite is yeah, quite good with it's the quite, ellipses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and well the little, done. Uh, short short uh, words, little pieces of words. Yeah. So uh, Tintin uh, can't T- hear him. It's hopeless. But he does tie Snowy to his sarcophagus. I don't know why there's a hook in his, but he does. <laughs> then somehow he's able to use the rope that previously was very easy easy to break. Yeah. He now uses it to bind to pick t- together two pieces of wood. And then make a fishing pole with the other rope that we've already established melts in the water <laughs> to go fishing and catches not just a fish, but a, an entire shark, which would take some doing. Well, now you're and, assuming as well that Sarcophagus actually has uh, his tied up with rope. Maybe he didn't, because we don't see any rope around his when we first see it. Yeah. Well, so, you know, probably just tossed him in. He's fine. <laughs> He's fine. Uh, He's and, floating at sea. He's but fine. It's, it's funny because we're going to have, first of all, this is the kind of thing as a kid you'd want to play. It's like you're trapped on the, in the ocean on uh, in a coffin. That's yeah. that's fun, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, there's your dog over there, but you can't yeah. quite reach him. But And there's this guy and you can't quite hear him. And it's the kind of game you'd almost play in a pool. And yes. now, now it's time to go fishing. So what's a good joke if you're going fishing? What's the one fish you don't want to catch? <laughs> shark yes yeah yeah the red sea sharks that's an early view of them before they they reappear as a as a, a titular <laughs> character all right uh, uh now he's done for if uh if there's nothing else to catch in this bit of sea we'll just have to starve to death yeah there you go no one's unha- more unhappy than snowy i imagine why not just eat a shark you can't eat a shark is that a, is that impossible to do i guess like their skin well, is how terrible gonna, how are you gonna kill it get a baby i don't want to say how you're gonna kill a shark so uh so yeah tintin's a bit depressed uh and the uh, the bad guys are looking for uh looking for all three of them and they spot dr sarcophagus yeah lucky him yep lucky him he's rescued uh and then oh then a wonderful i think it i think it's an intentional uh at the very bottom the vi- final panel because because we were told the water is getting rougher and so we can see the waves are getting a bit a bit uh, more heavy when we see Dr. Sarcophagus. He's seen through binoculars by Alan. And so, of course, they use the good old Morse code to uh, inform the boss that they've found him so, th- so they can get a note back 
And so then we see the really rough seas that Tintin's in. He's practically going down this trough of water. And then the final panel of this page 12 is, I think, uh, Hergé kind of a, making a little, um, you know, a bit of a, what would you call it? Homage. Homage, yeah, to that, the great wave yeah. off Kanagawa, the, the, uh, Moranobu, uh, the famous painting of that wave. That's it looks very it similar, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's very similar, beautifully done. I love Hergé's water, by the way. He, no one draws better water than Hergé. This is use of the white for the foam, and this is a few lines to give the sense of the, of the water. This is so wonderful, and the color is always, always great, but, uh, yeah, I just love I love his water. Well, actually, I like all the terrain that Sergei drew. I love the mountains. <laughs> just the way he could, just the use use of lines. It's always uh, I just love it so much. I think you would like a Tintin without Tintin book, where it's just the backgrounds. Mm, yeah, probably. All right, now Tintin, and this is an interesting cut. It's like uh, on the yeah. previous page, it goes from "Well, we're doomed." Yes. Next panel, waking up. Where am I? Yeah. Yeah. I guess this was, you know, the next week in the paper. Sure. So it all makes sense. You, But you don't often have like a cliffhanger where it's, I'm you do, pushing though. you off a cliff. You do. And then the next one, nope. you know, all of a sudden he's walking down the street. How'd I get here? But you do have that pretty commonly where someone goes under and they wake up somewhere else. Yep. You know, that's pretty common, particularly in like Hardwell detective fiction. So if he was influenced by Hammett, uh, you know, if he was reading a little bit of if those were translated into French or were appearing in French magazines at that time, he would have been well aware of the whole knocked out, waking up somewhere else trope that's pretty common in, in Hartwell fiction. Right. So he wakes up, then uh, he remembers, oh, it was hit by a giant wave, and that was that, and we're meeting a new character now, and this is Captain... What's his name? Does he ever, does he ever say I, his name? I don't know if he does. I don't think he's ever introduced. Well, that's too bad. He's, he looks a good-looking character there. Yeah. I like it. I like the design. You know, I like his big smile. Yeah. Like a little squinty eyes there. That's a nice look. Very and, nice uh, look. And a uh, good shirt. Just open just the right amount to be a little bit of a creep. <laughs> good stuff. You can call it a swashbuckler. Sure. All right. There you are. Uh, so he saved uh, Tintin's life. Yes, indeed. And he introduces to, uh, him to his passenger, uh, Senor Olivier... Oh, I shouldn't be doing this. Senor Olivieri de Figuria? Let's call him Oliver Fig. Let's do it. From Libsyn. Lisbon from Portugal. Oh, Lisbon. Boy, howdy. Lisbon. Lisbon, Portugal, where right. you were visiting Portugal this little while ago. I was. Yeah, I was in Porto. And uh, this is another... I, I know the name of everywhere I've visited. Okay. So listen, if you want me to pronounce the name of your city yeah. or country correctly, yeah. invite me and or Dave <laughs> to that country, and then I'll uh, I'll come, and then I'll learn the name of the place. Oh, yes. But yes, otherwise, yeah. I will stumble bum my way through every <laughs> one of them. So here, I'm from Canada. Here's another recurring character. Uh, not not as common as the Thompson twins, who basically after this book are in 17 of the next 19 stories. But but uh, he is. Uh, Anytime it's a story based in the Middle East, you're going to find Oliver Fig and uh, the Portuguese merchant who, luckily for Tintin, does not, he cannot, he's uh, immune to his snappy patter. It's a good little irony there. I just love Yeah. And it's one of the greatest drawings of Tintin ever. Just uh, after listening to him for a while, you see him walking away. He's got a birdcage, a uh, watering can, a pair of skis, a parrot, a, uh, some golf clubs, an alarm clock. He's somehow, he's a, carrying a, a doghouse on wheels. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why you'd need that or why that would be sold. Uh, a portable doghouse, I guess. But uh, Well, he's yeah. got to get something for Snowy, otherwise he's a jerk. Sure, exactly. Get all that for himself and then doesn't get get him a doll, yeah, doghouse? Sudden, suddenly Snowy's on, on a leash. He also bought some suspenders. We've never seen him wear them, but... Oh, I guess he him. bought Snowy a new leash. 
There you go. Good for him. Finally. And, you know, we have uh, an African-American character that you would not see nowadays, nor should you, but that was the time it was. We all take a breath, go, that's what it is. Back then, well, what do you do? There, it's a thing. And Still still drawing it in an asterisk to this day. Yep, it sure is. Hey, Europe. Anyway, <laughs> so, and there's a couple it's more. It's caricature. I, I, yes, it is caricature. I don't think anyone would deny that. All right. Uh, then we uh, land in the uh, Arabian coast. Mm, and, yeah. uh, you know. Uh, it's time to set up shop. We're getting another little bit of uh, com. Well, like we had some nice comedy there. We're having another comedy beat. Let's take it up a notch. Let's yeah. see him selling things to uh, people in general. Yeah. And so there's some. I assume they're Arabs. We don't really know what country he's landed in. So I guess it can't be Arabia because that's in. That's a. Do they have a coast? Does Saudi Arabia have a coast? I don't know. Anyway, my knowledge of the Middle East just this disappeared. Everybody, I can we look at that do, map. We could. I know. That's what I was thinking. To the map. Look back at the map. Uh, oh, it's it not. It all. doesn't show it. Nope. Gosh darn it. You know what? It's we could have done some research before this. You know, I always think that I'm going to know some geography, and then <laughs> when it comes up, I don't know anything. Oh, this, uh, yeah, Tintin so far has been uh, putting a spotlight on my dumb. <laughs> Pretty good. So, yeah, all of our other uh, podcasts are stuff that I sort of know about, mm-hmm. so I can pretend that I know what I'm talking about, but yeah. not here. All right, so good, uh, some good shtick here. So these these folks are walking away with like baby carriages and you know teapots, teapots and parasols, top hats, umbrellas. But we got one return, and that's a son of a mangy dog. You sold me this cake, I ate it. Now look what happened. And what happened is bubbles are coming out from everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It turns out cake of soap, (laughs) because language, it's, it's crazy. It's hard. Sometimes a cake is not a cake. But what's weird is that. It's cake of soap in English, but it's not cake of soap in uh, in English. We mean in or French? in French? Sorry, it's a it's a savant. I don't say. So what was the gag in uh, French? I guess that he thought it was some something to eat. Well, that was very fortunate. Then the English translation, the joke actually makes sense. Makes more sense, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it was something that smelled sweet, or nah, I don't know. Anyway, it's a funny gag. A guy ate some soap, and mm-hmm. that's good. A kid will understand that and like it. And he threatens so, Tintin. Yeah, but it's fine. Uh, the next morning, uh, Snowy and Tintin are going exploring. Some of those wonderful Hergé rocks that I love so much. <laughs> yeah. And, so well drawn. Uh, and there's an ambush. Mm-hmm. And they're taken back to... Why don't you say this name? Well, I just want to say before we talk about Petrash Pasha... Thank uh, you for saying it. You said you did exactly what I asked you to do. It's some great drawings of ho- horses in action, which is really hard to do. It's hard to get horses in action because the horses, well, like most of us, we it often looks clumsy when it's doing something. Like when it, if you mm-hmm. freeze frame something in action, you usually get like a kind of a clumsy place where the feet don't look right or anything. But I don't know. Airshade's got some must have some really good reference material because these are really well done, well done horses and good faces on the horses too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. it looks uh, it looks bad for Tintin. Yes, he's, he's in uh, big get, trouble. He's getting yelled at. He's been called an uh, infidel uh, dog. Uh, you know, sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, he tried to poison the servants of him. Uh, but then he says his name, and we get to a gag that you could like write a book about. You know, that you could just go, now let's blow your mind for a little bit. And as a kid, it uh, would confuse you to death. Yeah. So here's the thing. Um, he, he tells him he's Tintin. Now, what would happen in a previous uh, one of these books would be they'd go, oh, the boy reporter, famous yeah. reporter. Yeah. Uh, can I offer you money to tell a story? And they'd go, he'd go, no, no money for me. But in this case, he brings out a Tintin book. Yeah. To which you would then go, 
oh, one of the previous tin. That would be weird enough. Yeah. But no, he brings out a Tintin book, and the book is Destination Moon. Yeah. Which will not be... It's 20 books away. 20 books away! So either, you know, so it looks like my fortune teller friend here uh, enjoys your adventures in the future. You know, and how did they know what... And if you didn't know these were all redrawn, as a child, I could see how that could have messed you up. Something fierce. I think twenty, bu- actually twenty books away from the original book that was that was used. Now ori- I looked this up, and originally, yeah. it was Tintin in America. In the nineteen thirty-four, the original black and white version, it was Tintin in America. Then it was Tintin in the Congo. In nineteen fifty-five, yeah, it was done as Tintin and, in the Congo. And then it, uh, then it was uh, in nineteen seventy. It was redrawn again as Destination Moon. Yeah, so it was really confusing because. Yeah, I remember even as a kid reading that because you know you can look in the back of of the book as you do because you're curious. You want to read them chronologically because you're you're a nerd. That's why you're reading comics, and so you're like, well, what's next? What's the next book? So when you're reading, it, you're like, okay, well, I have Cigars of the Pharaoh. So the next book I have to read is the the Blue Lotus. Right. That's the next book. So so then when you're reading this, you're like, okay, so all these books come before, and then you're looking at it, and then you go, Destination Moon. Yeah, it would what? be like it would be like. Uh, if if in Doctor No, uh, Doctor No sits James Bond down and and he goes, "Who are you? I'm uh, James Bond." Oh, yeah. I love you. And then he brings out a poster for Octopussy. Yeah, I love your work. Yeah, and uh, it would be exactly like that. But in the English version, they've just they've just uh, erased the words. In the French version, you can see it says Objectif Lune. They're French title. Actual title. But in the in the English one, they've just rather than try and write Destination Moon, which would not probably not fit in that tiny right. space, they've just opted for the blank space. Also, instead. this was in the thirties, right? Like this was the thirties. So the idea of you know, we just had planes now work yeah. for the first time, fellas. How's yeah. it going? The idea that, you know, we're gonna be uh, remember this adventure where you went to the moon? Yeah. Remember that? Sure. That'd be not only that, but it, here's a pr- uh, Captain Haddock, you haven't met him yet, but here's a friend you're going to have. Yeah. Cal- Professor Calculus, here's another friend you're going to have. You might think he's a bit you like know, Dr. Yeah. Sarcophagus, but he's, uh, he's, he's different own, and he's we'll catch man. on. Yeah. yeah now, uh, now, just the panel itself, um, you know, we uh, we have the guy holding the book. Yeah. Who, who's, I actually do like the look on him. Who's looking at him like, eh? <laughs> like, he seems to almost know that this is a yeah. this is a step out. Like, we're all just <laughs> winking at the audience now. Um, and uh, Tintin's get, getting a multiple things happening. Yeah. He's doing a spit take. Yeah. He's getting a slap on the back. Because he's getting a slap in the back. So he's he's doing a, he's not doing a spit take. He's getting the liquid chicken out of his mouth right, by a, I think, a hearty blow on his back. I don't think it's impossible that Tintin would do a spit it's take. It's not a spit take. Would, look at the cup. The cup is splashing too. I understand the that. The cup isn't doing a spit take. What does Cups tin, do what, not do spit What does takes. Tintin think about seeing a future adventure of his presented by this fellow? Well, but, they re- but I mean, the drawing wasn't changed, so it's the same drawing that would have shown Tintin in the Congo. I understand, but what are we left with now, my friend? <laughs> what are we left with now? Silliness. I'm looking at what is, not what was. Silliness it is, is what silliness. You get. You get silliness. That is a real stepping outside to wink at the audience <laughs> all right so uh likes tintin so much that he uh gives him uh nice fresh horses well speaking of, let's just before we go on like because this is a good moment is to talk about because sure. we couldn't we couldn't find it I and mean, when i was reading the book i saw it and then i was looking for it after because i forgot to mark it but there's a point in the story where where uh snowy references merlin spike so merlin spike will not doesn't appear until uh the um book the well, let me just find it here because I'm trying to th- remember it. The Secret of the Unicorn. That's when we first see uh, Merlin Spike Hall. So that's a ways away too. 
So <laughs> why is Snowy talking about that? So these are these kind of weird little uh, anachronisms that crept into these retellings of the stories. Here's what I think is going to happen, Dave. Like the 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 final the final book we're going to get to yeah. is uh, Tintin and the Picaros. Is that correct? Am I pronouncing that right? Tintin I and the Picaros. Guess so okay. So that's the final book. What you missed out on was the book after that, which was Tintin and the Time Machine. And what happens in that book is they go back, yeah. and all of this now makes sense because they've sure. been dropping little clues and uh, and rearranging things the, uh, throughout history. My the, my French version actually came out before. Tantan and the Picaros. Oh, interesting. Where does yours end? Flight 714. Oh, okay. Well, I think, but I think that was the last book, wasn't it? Or was Picaros? No, Picaros was the last book. Okay. Interesting. It is interesting. Do you find it interesting, folks? Probably not. Eh, well, you can always fast forward. <laughs> All right. We are now some hours later, and once again, fresh horses are being delivered, which is going to please David, because he likes the way horses are drawn. Yes, here. they're always drawn and very nicely. And not only are the horses drawn well, they're walking in front of the rocks Dave likes. If there was an ocean nearby, this would be the perfect hat I would be so trick happy. for uh, Dave. It's all great. But uh, what I like about the book, uh, the horse is what a high stepper it is. Look at that. That mm-hmm. nice little dainty walk. Well, and he's very they, proud. He's got has a, Tintin on yeah, his back. And it's got a real Arab head on it, as if the Arab horse actually came from Arabia rather than was some sort of product of animal husbandry in England. <laughs> I don't know. The Arab horse was actually from Arabia. I'm just joking. Uh, I'm Dave, joking, people who, who bred horses, okay? All right, a little bit people of... People who love Tintin, who yeah, breed horses. A little bit of trivia I'm here. Joking. David has worked as a professional farrier. He can chew a horse <laughs> and talk to you about Tintin while he's shooing your horse. Yes, I could. I could so he that. knows. He knows both ends of a horse intimately. <laughs> Maybe not intimately. Not, let's move on. Let's, let's not get carried away. All right. I, ha- I don't have a record. Um, <laughs> so uh, Tintin is uh, riding along when he hears, help, mercy, help, help, a woman's voice. Yeah, but before that, he sees a city sit- sitting in the middle of these mountains. Right, beautiful city. He's surprised to see it. Yeah. In the Black and White version, it was referred to as Mecca. Oh. And that was removed from, from the later ones. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So a beating has taken place. Uh, two men uh, are beating a woman, blonde woman. And uh, boy, Tintin's not having this. Good for him, jumping into the fray. Yes. Uh, he's along a hero. with along with Snowy. Good for him. And uh, clobbers the guys with his gun. Mm-hmm. Let's say in retrospect, it's good that he didn't shoot them. Yes. I love in the uh, in the uh, the French version. He, uh, the, someone's yelling at Tintin from off frame, and he's saying "Espèce de imbécile." Cretin, and then I just love this triple idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard that not before. Once, not twice. Yep. It's, sir, three times an idiot. Yep, from that song, once, twice, three yeah. times an idiot. Three times an idiot. I know that song so well. So uh, now, uh, oh, you, you, it's Lo- the beloved old... at weddings. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, oh, but it was all a film shoot. Yes. <laughs> which is fun. Which is fun. And then we were reintroduced to it to. Uh, Roberto Rastapopoulos, mm-hmm. who, of course, as we know from the previous uh, book, is you know is a producer of films for, in Tintin in America. He's sitting with a starlet at the table. Uh, the sort of who kind of was uh, transmor- transmogrified, tra- morphed over time through various styles of starlet. So uh, you know, in the in the black and white version, kind of looks like a Jean Harlow, mm-hmm. and then later on changed to a different sort of look. Uh, more of a '30s st- style, and then and then in the final version had a kind of Marilyn Monroe 
uh, look to her. There's good anger here. You can tell the yeah. director is so angry because he's jumping up, he's and jumping down, up and down, shaking his fist. He, facially, he looks a, a little bit like a Gary Trudeau character. This he one. does actually. He's got a little bit of Uncle Zeke. Is that his name? Like the uh... he's got a bit of Mark, and he's got a bit of. Uh, you're right, Uncle. Uh, not Uncle Zeke. Uncle Duke. No, Uncle Duke. That's the one. Sorry. Yeah, and a very handsome leading man there. I, it's that yeah, who is holding a riding crop. Yes. In the original version, uh, he looked a lot like Valentino. So we can imagine them filming like something like Blood and Sand. Uh, if, if for the fact that there wasn't a desert really close to Los Angeles that made it inconvenient <laughs> to go all the way to Egypt to film or all the way to the Middle East to film. Uh, but yeah, in this one, he looks, he has more of a, I don't know who he, who he say looks like. Maybe David Niven or. And then you got a, know. you got a woman there who, well, he looks like Zeppo Marx to me. Um, <laughs> well, it, a big chin. And you got a woman there who uh, is uh, upset, but not up, upset enough to have a line. Yeah. You know yeah. what? She gets paid to talk. Well, she's not going to pay for. She's going to right. talk for free. No. Well, you don't. You don't want a lot of talking extras in a comic either. That's very expensive. That's right. So he gets. He's getting yelled at. Uh, you know, we're meeting Papa Rastapopoulos. Uh And Tintin reminds us his name. Good for him, Tintin. Thanks. Appreciate it. That's right. And even yeah. though they're all all mad, there's apologies. I'm sorry I lost my temper. Sorry I messed up your film. Doesn't apologize to the guys he clobbered with a gun. No. So in in the English version, now, what does uh, Rastapopoulos say? He says, what are they filming? They're filming... Let's see. We're, we're making a super scope Magna Vista feature of Arabian Nights. Interesting, yeah. yeah we built a whole city not far from here. He just says super production in, in the French version, so it's actually more fun. In the, I like in, Superscape Magna Vista. I'd see yeah, a, I'd see a film that was one of those. And I'd like to see a Tintin movie in uh, Superscope Magna Vista. <laughs> and it's not called Arabian Nights, but I'm not too sure what it's called exactly. Um, and he asks, what are you doing in the, the desert all alone? And the yeah, I like how he's so mad at him on the boat, but now he's super friendly with him. Well, he's got more reason to be mad at him now for yeah. messing that up. But no, he's fine with it. Also, I don't see why you can't reset and just reshoot that scene. Why not? Yeah, why can't you? Just reset. Like, what happened? A guy got clobbered with a gun. Meh. You know, he's fine. Just, like, start the beating again, and you're, you'll be fine. But nope, we're, I guess the, we're all wrapped for the day. Yeah. That's how uh, it works with producers. Sure. Someone walks on set. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're done. done. Let's go we're take done. him let's, for a drink. Let's have a drink. And the horse whips don't grow on trees. So, <laughs> you know, where are they going to get that from? I actually don't know where horse whips come from. You would. You're a farrier. Mm-hmm. They come from horses. It's really ironic. <laughs> okay. So uh, Tintin tells his story, uh, but it takes an hour to tell, apparently. Yeah, yeah. But, like, it really shouldn't. The story is this. We're going exploring. <laughs> that was it. That was the whole story. But uh, he, f- he found it fascinating. Also, Tintin has just talked himself raw for an hour. Yeah. Being yeah. a real boor. <laughs> Luckily, they had, there, was some li- there was liquid refreshment, so he was able to keep his, his throat. That is seized. now ice cold. Yeah. Because funny. of yappy, yappy Tintin. <laughs> So uh, now they're friends, or everything. Yeah, uh, best cl- buds. Yeah, they're you know closest thieves, and uh, setting off. But we cut to Thompson and Thompson. Yeah, you know, uh, with fresh instructions. Uh, we're to forget about Tintin and look into gun rudder- runners along the Arab coastline. Yeah. So it's weird. Yeah. We're just cutting to uh, we're cutting to those characters who are just going. Yeah, we're not going to deal with Tintin anymore. It'd be yeah, interesting if yeah. that's the end of their storyline. Yeah, that's story. right. But uh, no. So then. Uh, once again, hey, we get some rocks, and we get, but we don't get our horses. Oh, darn it all. Uh, but we do get to see uh, Tintin rowing a boat. Rather well done. Mm-hmm. Such good drawings. But then, and then the first, is this the first time that Snowy chases a cat? 
Well, I like the intro to the cat. Well, that I've seen. But uh, Tintin's looking on the boat going, how odd, all gone, not so much as a whisker. Wrong. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. at least Puss stayed behind. Yeah. There's many whiskers on that. <laughs> and uh, Snowy just loses his mind that there's a Which cat. Which he does constantly. So I, I, this, is a, this is like a more dog-like trait of him. Mm-hmm. And rather less than that sort of grumpy but sort of sensible Snowy. Yeah, Snowy past. often is just a grumpy old man. He yeah. is your uncle on a trip with you who's just complaining about everything. But no longer. More like a dog yeah. than, than before. Like here he is chasing a cat and... You know, so upset about this cat that he actually runs into something and hurts himself. Yeah, poor Snowy. And it turns out it's a machine gun. Yeah, which the cat could have used to just, like, uh, get one up on Snowy if he really knew how to work mm-hmm. a machine if he knew, gun. Yes, if he knew how to load and work a machine gun, <laughs> that would be helpful. And then, so, Tintin's surprised to find this submachine gun under a tarp in the hold of the ship. And rifles hidden beneath layers of umbrellas. Yeah. and uh, uh, But all Snowy cares about is where's that cat at. Yeah, he's a he dog. He doesn't care. There's, like, nuclear arms here. Just like, where's that cat? He's a dog. And then we discovered that the captain, who seemed like a nice guy, was, and I've got to say, it's a terrible drawing of the captain in the first, first panel of the, of page 19. Almost as if, just because he was feeling a little lazy, Hergé just sort of drew his head first and then tried to fit the yeah, body into the yeah, rest of the picture. Yeah, it is a little bit of that, yeah. It's a little bit off there. It's a bit. Well, maybe he's got scur- then, scurvy and is a little weak and uh, scrawny here. And we can agree that we don't like these sort of caricature drawings of the, of the, of the black characters. Well, let's see but if we, let's see if we can agree this, on that. Uh, do you agree that you don't like them? You don't like them? You agree to that? Uh, a seconded, motion it's carried. Not it's not the greatest, but. Yeah, it's not the greatest. But, uh, what's even more offensive with these is that it looks like the guy has a bum on his forehead. Like, I know it's supposed yeah. to be, like, highlighting, but it's not very well done. And it just looks like a weird, like, his brain is He's also out, got or? very strange pants. Whereas the one in the, <laughs> in the first one looks like he's wearing a bit of a skirt or a yeah. skort. The other guy's wearing, like, a diaper. Yeah, he's wearing, like, a big green diaper. Also, uh, you know, he's wearing... It looks like also those two got up in the morning and wore each other's clothes. Because it looks like the one guy could have a nice matching head yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, 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 and skort. That, and, that is not what you do. That is such a fashion faux pas. I know you think that, that your turban should mash, match your... Skort. Sorry, match your skort or your skyper, but <laughs> it doesn't. They should actually be alternating colors, so they're right. Oh, that's wrong. true. And it is after Labor Day, so the whole thing is reversed. <laughs> that's right. And it has an R in the month. So Okay. So uh, Captain Big Head uh, has, <laughs> ties, up, ties up Tintin yes. and, uh, and says, you know... Uh, if you've given me away, just remember this. My boat is mined, and I'll blow her sky high before I'll surrender. Yeah. Oh, rough day for... But, uh, but what I like about... Because uh, he's been warned that a ship is approaching. What I, what I like about this scene is Hergé has no problem with going with the, the all-black scene in order to give you a sense of action. In this sequence, he doesn't do the all-black scene, but he does do the scene of Tintin in the hold and, <laughs> and, and knowing what's happening yeah. outside. Just a lot of sound effects and sort of comments what's happening. And then, like, a big boom and things like that. He has no idea what's going on. He grabs a gun in order to protect himself because he doesn't know what's happening. And in walk Thompson and Thompson. Yep. Ready to, once again, it's not enough that he's a cocaine-slash-heroin smuggler. Now he's also a gun runner. They've caught him red-handed. He's holding the gun in his hand. <laughs> yep. So he's been caught gun-handed. And then, just a little nod to the past, uh, Tintin, perfectly happy to raise his arms, you know, he puts his hands up, shoots out the light, then we have a little bit of action in the dark, with complete with stars, 
multicolored stars, a swirl, and a kind of weird sun thing. And we find Thompson and Thompson clutching each other. For some reason, they've dropped their guns and are now holding their, brandishing their canes. <laughs> yeah. As if that's more effective. And they've lost their hats. And their hats have disappeared, And so they've lost their dignity. Yes. They do quickly recover their hats. And then, uh, so they find Tintin in the game. I won't say how how they find him. Let's not ruin everything. But what I just love the next sequence, because what I like about it is that Tintin can be a little bit of a a know-it-all, a little bit of a eager beaver, a little bit of a goody-goody two-shoes. I like that he makes mistakes every once in a while. Or right. Sometimes luck is formed, sometimes against him. Oh, and so in this way, case, yeah, go ahead. He jumps off the ship. He somehow get unfortunately gets a loop of rope around his his ankle, and as he swims away, he's easily caught and pulled back onto the ship by the by the Thompson brothers or twins. I guess I don't think they're actually related. They have a different name. Yeah. So why are we calling them twins? But anyway, because I like the band so much. Hold me now. Uh, you can also, you know, you have a family history. Yeah. Maybe sometimes you're called this, maybe you're called that. Sure. And so, sure. but one thing I, I'm just going to go a little bit back. Okay. And say that, uh, you know, it's the second time you see Tintin spitting up water uh, in this. Once again, another <laughs> spitting of water uh, from Tintin. This is a true spit take. Yeah, it is. It's a very happy scene, by the way, where he's shooting his gun. Like he's very smiley and just shooting yeah, a light yeah. out. Because he know, has an idea. He has got an idea. And that idea is I want a bunch of hot glass to fall onto my head. <laughs> Well, he's wearing a, he's got wearing a, a uh, I don't think it's called a turban, but he's wearing some sort of a, a head wrap. That, yeah, uh, I think you can legitimately call that falling, a head wrap. Falling grass. Again, there's glass. there's words for all of these things, none of which come to our minds currently. Well, we're, while we're doing the show. Yep. Yes. You might be saying, why don't you stop doing the show for a second, go look the, up this thing, and present us with a professional podcast. And I say to you, how much did you pay for it again? <laughs> And then we continue on. <laughs> sure. So uh, so they have now fished up the Tintin. Now, this is a wonderful scene, of course, because now they need to, they're going to arrest the dog as well. Right. I like that, you know, no one's ever, like, got, you know, like, left Snowy out of the picture. Mm-hmm. He's always included in whatever Tintin's doing. He's part of it. You're yeah. going to arrest Tintin? You have to arrest Snowy. Tintin gets uh, shanghaied into the army. Snowy as well. Like, right. why not? You need a dog in the army. And so in this yeah, case... If, if one of them is going to be hanged, you're going to hang the dog as well. So in this case, Thompson and or Thompson, or Dupont and or Dupont, uh, chases Snowy into the into the hold and comes running out in a panic. We don't know why. It turns out that a grenade has fallen and I guess the pin has come out somehow. Right. It is smoking, ready to explode. Do grenades smoke? I don't... I've never seen that in any movie, but... It depends how old they are. Um, so then the uh, and so the Thompsons just run right off the ship, well, leaving they, Tintin they, behind. They, they jump right out. Yeah, well, they though, run across the plank. Yeah, they run. They run across the plank. They take off, and then they realize, "Oops, we left him behind." Yeah, they would him. not intentionally leave no, him to die. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. They would leave the dog to die. Let's not go nuts. We're not going to. We're not going to risk our lives for the dog. No. For no. A, a white uh, fox wire wire haired terrier, yeah, yeah. but uh, Tintin they probably would. Unfortunately, there you go. Also, Snowy it appears can't read because he can't see the danger sign. Yeah, that's right. And so then, uh, but also we find we discover and we didn't know this, of course, but grenades do not come with a fuse in it. So they're they're not armed when they're transported, which makes sense. Yeah, why would you? Because you that? wouldn't want a lot of things that are jiggling around that have rings that could be pulled out of them. To have the rings fall out of them in, in jiggling transport. Well, Snow, uh, Snowy says the fuse just went foot. Yes. Which is a good, I know it's an English translation, but foot is a good uh, word for a fuse going out. Yeah, it's the same, it's basically the same in French. They, have, they put a P in front of the F. 
As they would. As <laughs> they would. Up on the beach they go. It's, Tint, uh, Tintin, by the way, coming onto the beach, mm-hmm. the thinnest ankles I've ever seen on this guy. Like, that guy needs to w- do a little ankle work. Because it's fun's fun, but that's dangerous. These things are going to snap like twigs. I became, that really did become part of the style of him, didn't it? With the, the kind of oversized plus fours. And then the, or knicker, well, I guess there are more plus fours and knickerbockers. Like, his legs are Mickey Mouse-like here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. So, uh, moving along. Uh, next thing, he goes back to talk to the producer. Rastapopoulos. Uh, Rastapopoulos. Uh, he was very helpful. He was, again, not yeah. a bad guy. I hope he his gives movie him a rifle, works out. Yeah. Gives him some Arab clothing. Does he give him a real rifle? Like, why would the producer have a real rifle? Like, it seems like all this stuff should just be props for the movie well, or something. Well, but I mean, you do use real rifles as props. You just don't have them. Oh, they have they blanks. Have, they have blanks in them, oh, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, people just don't go pew, pew, and pretend to shoot the guns. Well, I like that all of this has gone on, mm-hmm. uh, and and Thompson and Thompson are still waiting for the explosion. Yeah, that's, yes. Once again, I yeah. could I could go for them going the entire rest of the book, and I'm still on the boat going. <laughs> but who would rescue Snowy? Yeah, that's true. All right, so now we're getting into uh, you know uh, the thirsty thirsty part of this story. Yes, you're in the desert. You need a scene with one having no water. Yeah. Two. A mirage. The, the mirage, the fake, yeah, the watering hole that you think is a watering hole. It turns out it's a mirage. Right. But I like that it's a warning. There's a mirage warning. Okay, we'll get to it. We'll get to that. That's pretty great. Yeah, you almost like the next one is you and your friend. It's, 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 yeah. It's one of those things in a movie that you'll always see, like uh, two guys on a boat. They're so hungry, and one turns into a hamburger, and the other turns into a hot dog. Yeah. It's yeah. that. Similar. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, Tintin gets his water balloon That's shot. That's right. Next. It's not just a shimmering thing in the, I mean we've all seen mirages if you're anywhere hot you can see a mirage like effect that looks like water uh, you know in yeah. the distance not water with palm trees yeah it's that's palm not a mirage trees. that's not a mirage yeah that's an actual that oasis is, that is the casino the mirage that's right that's if you see water and palm trees you are actually seeing an oasis and not a mirage right now this sign you're saying that says danger mirage ahead yeah was put up apparently by a guy who died, who died putting up the sign it's a pretty dedicated sign B- before Peter. he died he went throw my bones randomly around that's how i want that's how i want to be buried well randomize my body parts before he died he said you know i gotta warn someone about this <laughs> so uh you know i'm gonna warn people that a hundred yards ahead there is there is a mirage and he actually had enough water but he had enough water until he started making the sign <laughs> right. and like uh, whittling down the wood uh, for the stake and making his own ink. Because it doesn't really tell you, like, it just says the next morning he's leaving Rastapopoulos' encampment. He's walking a little bit through the, uh, he's not even out of the mountains yet. He gets ambushed. His water, his canteen is shot. Yeah. He has no more water. Then he's walking. Oh, it says several hours later. But it's not that long. Well, here's, whenever I see these in a movie, and maybe I'm just being dumb. You know what? I am being dumb. But whenever I see in the movies and something happens to the person's water and it like all spills out, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, if only you could have carried a second canteen. <laughs> like, just carry a second one. Yeah. You're fine. Like, how much water are you going to need? But I think that the... A, a couple. I think it was intentional that they shot the canteen. Okay. I don't think they were aiming for him. I think they were aiming for the canteen. No, and I completely understand that. But when so someone... I think even if he had two of them, they would have been two they'd canteens. They'd both the canteen, yeah. But they're not going to yeah. expect a double canteen because no one ever has that. You'd... So it was one canteen. They go, give us your water. <laughs> <laughs> We've taken your water. <laughs> As they walk away, yeah. and they're like, "I got a second canteen. I'm fine." So, in fact, I got a flask down my pants. So, once again, we find one of those wonderful. In the next page, we have one of those wonderful Erge 
uh, balloons with an image in it that yeah. conveys an idea rather than just having, t you know, Snowy say, boy, I'm thirsty. Uh, we get an image of him in the water happily swimming, which right. is, is great because that really gives you more of the mindset rather than just having someone say, like, I'm dry. I am getting thirsty actually watching, like reading yeah. the scene. I'm going to have a little bit of water while I'm Sure, sure. So then mm. now we see another mirage, possibly a mirage. It does have palm trees, but as we've established in the world of Tintin, mirages come with palm trees. Uh, he approaches, there's two uh, Arabs sitting there, and he comes up behind them. I'm just giving a generic name. We don't know where this is taking place, so we're just going to say Arabs. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to say Syrians. I don't want to say Lebanese, because we don't know. We don't know where it's happening. So we'll just, we'll just kind of keep with a generic name for it. But it turns out it's the Thompsons. <laughs> now they've taken, they're in disguise, and they go running after Tintin. Unfortunately, they trip over their own uh, Arab garb. Yeah, I don't necessarily think they're in disguise. This is just how you'd uh, dress in the desert if you were being sensible. Is would you? Why would you put that over your suit? <laughs> okay, that's fair. All right, good point. And then uh, the Thompsons make a mistake. They think uh, it's the old switchamaroo, and they're going to swack tension on the noggin. Just a guy. Also, yeah. by the way, not strong enough with that whack to knock the guy out. Both of them, so probably wouldn't have knocked out Tintin either. So, you know, too bad on you guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. There's a limited color palette, so they're able to uh, think it's Tintin. And but and there's a running gag here too. And they're literally running while they say the gag. Um, so bother, uh, we were mistaken. To be precise, we're a mistake. And that's a common thing they do is yes. the wordplay. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And uh, it sort of feels a little bit like you know the second one's smarter than the first one and just rubs it in a little bit sometimes. It's like the first one wouldn't get that gag. So uh, we're really feeling for Snowy and Tintin. And they're so thirsty, and they finally get water, and we're all relieved. And it's you know how much Tintin loves Snowy. He will drink right next to his dog and not be grossed out by that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Why, why be grossed out about it? If you Okay, you and your dog, yeah. you have two dogs. Yes. You and your two dogs are walking through a desert. Mm -hmm. You see uh, quite a large uh, amount of water. Yeah. Do you all drink like a foot from each other, or do you go to a different part of the water while your dogs drink? And uh, drink depends, your own depends water. Depends how thirsty I was. I mean, if I'm really thirsty, I'm just plunging my face in there, getting getting my water. Okay. I'm not too concerned what they're doing. All right. It all depends, of course. Uh, I just two, two things before we move on. One is that the uh, in the French, the Dupont and Dupont, they actually don't do that kind of wordplay at this point. Now, mm. I don't know if that was, uh, but I think that that sort of wordplay is not that common in in French. Like they don't really do that kind of. It feels like it's... And now, I'm assuming the same one does the to be precise. No. Oh, they just vary that? No. Uh, one just says, that wasn't him. And the other one says, oh. I would say more that it wasn't him. Okay. That's, well, what I'm, what I'm saying, it. though, is in the English version. Yeah. Like, Thompson with a P, let's say, yeah. would be the one that always says the to be precise okay. lines. Okay. And it's the only thing that really makes them different. It's yeah. like, that's his bit. Yeah. Is he uh, does the little tag. Yeah. Otherwise, you don't know which one to shoot when it comes down to uh, a shoot Their mustaches are different. Their mustaches are different. Oh, that's true. All right. I stand corrected yet again. Uh, Tintin spots another town, hoping it's not a mirage or a film set. No, just a, not a film set. He knows it's not a mirage. Or Mecca, because he wouldn't be allowed in. That's true. Wait, is, is it, uh, does he say the Mecca thing in uh, the French version? Or in any I wonder if this version? is where he said Mecca. Hmm, it could be. But he wouldn't be allowed in if it was, right? You're not allowed to go into Mecca? Or maybe, no, you can't go into Mecca. Don't, wasn't it like, didn't, uh, there's like that British 
Burton, he had to like disguise himself in order, or is that just to get into the actual mosque? And folks, here's what's going to happen. Dave, Richard Burton, Dave, and I are going to go uh, check out Mecca. We'll be right back and see if we got in. Yeah. Hold it. Okay, we're back. Uh, we cut out the amount of time. Obviously, it took yeah. us to go and come back. Uh, short answer: No, no, can't go in. They they said the club was closed uh, to us. Right. They're letting a lot of people, other people, in, but apparently the velvet rope did not move. We could we're not allowed into Mecca at all. All right. And, but it's okay, because I'm not really in that, into that kind of music they're playing there. It's kind of techno. We also realized we had to get back and finish this podcast. <laughs> God damn it. It's got to come out on Wednesday. Yes, it does. All right. So uh, so uh, someone spots uh, Tintin and asks, why haven't you reported to the recruiting office? Yeah, we see there's a, there's a general uh, conscription going on. So Now, by the way, the yes. sign just went up mm-hmm. behind Tintin's back, and the guy is yelling at him, hey, why haven't you? Because you just put the sign up. Yeah. No one has the time to read that sign. You, <laughs> why didn't you do this? Come with me. <laughs> so it's time to uh, report to, at least in the English version, Corporal Abu Bin Dun. I don't yes. know if that's a uh, gag, is it? Yeah, just been done. Abu been done. But you, is Abu been done? I don't think that. I just think you've been done. Oh, okay. Would have been funnier with an extra bit at the beginning. And I'm not <laughs> insulting Hergé on that. This is the English translator. It's not translator. Hergé. It's an English translator. The, that's the an name English is translator, yeah. The name is different. Uh, I By think the, the way, we should find out who the English translators were for this. Oh, it's the same. They're always the same. Who, okay. Uh, if you just look at the front of the book, yeah, they they did all of the they did all of the books. It was uh, Leslie Lonsdale Cooper and Michael Turner. Oh, there you go. They did all of the translations for. Right, we should for talk more about Asia. that in the future. Off to the recruiting office, and they did a super good job as well. Mm-hmm. You know, not only like adding little elements like that to Thompson and Thompson, which is great, but they also had to like translate. Uh, we'll talk. We can talk about it another a little later. But uh, one thing that. Erge could do is his grandmother spoke a, a kind of a obscure Flemish dialect and he learned it because he would have to speak to her in it and he would incorporate it into the into uh, using it for other languages mm. so say if they're in Central America a tribe he would have the tribe speak in that language and people in in Bel- Belgium who knew that kind of obscure t- uh, language were able to get it were in on the joke uh, but they in um uh, Lonsdale Cooper and Turner had to figure out their own way around it. They couldn't do that. So right. often they would have them speak in a kind of a, a cock, cockney patois that's broken up that you can only get if you can put the words together, you'll figure it out. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. Interesting. All right. Uh, they're so, clever. So it's uh, to the recruiting office. Tough nut, sir. Fancies himself. Refuses to enlist. Tough nut, eh? Yeah, that's what he just said. Yeah. Yeah, tough nut. Now, I don't know why in the in the English version it's Ben, ben Bay. Which in, means? I don't know. But in the uh, French one, it's it's Bebear. Mm. So I don't know. It's All weird. right. No connection with Babar. I don't think so. All right. So uh, we see uh, Tintin's, uh, you're in the army now. Yes. Uh, and He's Snow- no longer behind a plow. And so uh, Snowy is uh, there, uh, hot, bothered, uh, panting, yeah. uh, but not wearing an army hat. Because that would have been too far. <laughs> but it is, you know, for all that they're mean, Tufts uh, army. Yeah. They let him keep his dog. Yeah. Why not? Good sure. for them. It's good for good for morale. Right. Having a dog. Uh, and so a lot of yelling. And although uh, with my ex- my experience of 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 you know Islamic people is that they do not like dogs. Dogs hmm. are actually considered dirty, and if they touch a dog, they have to go and wa- richly wash again because okay. it's an unclean animal. So the reality is. Snowy would not be very welcome <laughs> in an Islamic country, which I assume that's what, where we are. So, yeah. But back then, that might not have been widely known. Maybe like we got a six snowy in this. 
Snowy. Oh no, we have to keep Snowy. You mean not widely known among the soldiers or among among Hergé? Among the readers. Oh yeah, no, no, they could care less. Yeah, Hergé was not doing much research in this in this book. He was just. uh, Writing by the seat of his pants. So, and so uh, Tintin is uh, he's getting into some trouble. He's being put on cleanup duty. He's uh, confined to his barracks. And while he's sweeping, he finds a Once cigar again, band. Another cigar. Of the Pharaoh. The titular cigar of the Pharaoh. Right. It's nice to... It's, it's, it's titular, all right. But... Oh, but then he gets accused of spying. But wait, before we get to that... Please. I just have a little question. Yeah. So we're on page 26. Uh... And now there's a poster on the wall in the French version. Is there a poster on the wall in the English version of, it looks like, I don't know what it is. At the first I, I thought, thought it was, that was a grenade. That's what I thought it was too, but I don't know. Is it a grenade? It kind of looks like one. Is that what a grenade looks like? I have no idea. It would make sense. It's grenade shaped. I guess. It seems like you could pull the pin in that and it's full of gunpowder. Where's the pin? The pin is off to the side. Isn't that the pin? I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. If you know what that is, folks, you let us know. <laughs> anyway. If you recognize that thing. So, uh, so uh, yeah, Tintin's doing some looking in some files, mm-hmm. trying to find more things. And, yeah, uh, he's accused of being a spy, which in wartime does not go down real nice. No. You know, anywhere. I don't care what country you're in. So it's time now for Tintin to face the, the firing squad. And it's, uh, it's, it, he's genuinely sad about this. He's saying, oh, shot. I'm going to be shot. My poor, poor Snowy. This is the end. He cares about Snowy, and Snowy's going to yeah. be left alone. Yeah. You know what? Snowy's going to find another boy reporter. Don't worry about it. He's going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. Snowy, Snowy's been through at least five of you guys. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Uh, but then uh, to add insult to uh, sadness, and or at least injury to sadness, a rock comes through the window and hits Tintin in the head, uh, saying, have courage, help us at hand, a friend. Yeah, that's good. And then the the friend shows up mm-hmm. uh, with, a, with a rasp, and uh, what's great about it is that it's very small. And it takes Tintin all night to or, use it. Yeah, whereas if maybe you brought two rasps. Yeah, both of you could do it. Or here's the other thing. If you look at uh, you know, Tintin, he's in a three-bar prison. Yeah. And just take two of the bars out and you'd be able to get through. I can, I can see you. Your head could clearly fit between two bars. If you took those two bars out, Tintin would fit through. It's a two-bar prison, right? No, no, it's three bars because see, he's holding onto the oh, middle bar yeah, yeah, and the right. and the bar on the far. That's right. His left, your right. Uh, it does become a differently barred prison when he's removed the things. Okay. Um, so yeah, it takes him all night. The patiently, the friend watches and does not help in any way. Yeah. Uh, and then says, "Come quick, Tintin. No time to lose. Apparently, yes. there was enough time to lose. Yeah. You couldn't go get another rasp and uh, do this uh, coming, but free." He is, except halt or I'll fire, because there's two guards there. Yes. Yeah, nice job. Maybe someone, the friend perhaps, yes. goes on watch. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, for maybe the guards, because it doesn't help you watching the person just cut his way out of prison yeah. and doing nothing. Maybe even knock the guards out. There's a variety of things, friend, you could do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but And it actually turns out the guards say, paid off, didn't it? Changing the time of our rounds. It's actually kind of a smart move, uh, yes, guards. They are smart. Yep. And so then uh, Tintin's back in the same situation. He's up for the firing squad. Which is the smart... Okay, by the way, these are the smartest guards that mm-hmm. I've ever seen with Tintin. Yeah. Because normally your deal is you leave Tintin in an underground prison with a diving suit that you just leave there and hope he doesn't try to escape with it. Yeah. This is two guards just go, no, we're going to sit with you through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. They're sitting with... They both have rifles. They both... Uh, you know, one's got his hand on Tintin's shoulder... 
uh, making sure he's not going anywhere. And uh, it's the only prison that's been able to keep Tintin, uh, you know, uh, there with not escaping. So good for you, incredibly competent guards in a Tintin story. Yes. Well done. Changing your routine, actually staying the whole time in prison till uh, it's morning. Well done, you. So then we we actually get to the firing squad. Tintin is uh, secured to a post and uh, shot. We don't see it. He's shot off camera in a way that we see a a wall with uh, Snowy standing in front of it, calling out Tintin's name. And then we see the the shots are fired. The classic French pan, 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 pan. I don't know what. uh, I've got bang, 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 bang. Of course, that's the classic English version. And uh, yet Snowy hears this. Yells, Tintin, Tintin's dead, they've murdered Tintin, he's crying, couldn't be more upset. Uh, and we learned that, oh, that person who called him a spy recognized him in spite of his disguise, knowing yes. the importance uh, you attach to his dis- appearance, noble master, he's writing. Yes. You know, I arranged for him to be condemned to death. The execution was carried out this morning. Mm-hmm. He knew who he was. Yes. He knew he wasn't a spy. Yes. And yet he allowed this to happen. Well, he was a spy. He was spying to f- discover who this Cigars of the Pharaoh that thing is, is. That is true, but he was not spying against the country. No. That he was, was executed for the for, yes. not for a crime he, he committed. He did take advantage of that. That's true enough. Right. So uh, then we see Snowy, and he's crying, saying, you know, the only thing left for me to do is stay here and die on Tintin's grave. Well, that's harsh. Morbid. It is very morbid. And very also, morbid. it looks like uh, Snowy has been crying so much, there's a little, uh, little puddle of tears. Yeah. There. Yeah. Uh, he actually just went to the bathroom. Um, so then... Well, he's got to... He can't leave. He can't leave. He's a faithful dog. Yeah. I'm not... He drank a lot of water earlier. I'm not going to... see him sticking his head in that That's mirage? Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, so then, with things... But, you know, come on. This is a Tintin book. This is a pretty good cliffhanger. This is a pretty good this twist. This is a cliffhanger, yeah. You know, yeah. Tintin's dead. What? He was shot. Well, I, what happened? Everyone saw him be shot. Yeah. What? He's buried. His body is under there. What? Here's what happens. I imagine that in the original black and white story, that Snowy laying on the grave crying is the final image for that week. So we had a, we had a whole week to discover that on the next night, someone's knocking on the door. We see the friend in disguise, dressed like a woman. We maybe should have said that, wearing like the full face. The face is covered with a, with a, modestly with a veil. And then a few minutes later, the friend comes back to Tintin's grave, or... Beber, espion. I've got uh, Ali uh, Bai, <laughs> Ali Ba, spy. <clears throat> and then, uh, and then Tintin, or sorry, uh, Snowy, doglight, barks at this uh, intruder, but he's told, I'm here f- to save your master. Now, Snowy understands what this person's saying, so he's surprised. Then he hears, we see a kind of a cutaway view of, of Tintin lying in a kind of in a coffin, but with a pipe, a breathing tube down into the grave so that he can breathe. And now here's where Tintin mm-hmm. is a jerk. Okay. All right. So uh, we've had Snowy howling on his grave yeah. for all this time. Yeah. And then we learn Tintin could talk through that pipe. Yeah. But he didn't want to take a chance. He can't see who's out there. Okay. Here's the thing. But what if someone's walking by and they hear him speaking? Right. Here's a funny thing about dogs. Yeah. They can hear real good. You could just whisper through the pipe, hey, Snowy, it's me. I'm alive. Don't worry about it. I'm good. I'm just down no, here. But we have, to, we have to be surprised. I mean, Snowy is our stand-in here for our surprise. Right. What's, so what's all, happened? So he's hearing Snowy 
just ah, an agony, all sadness. Oh. And he's like, I'm going to let that play out. Let's yeah. see how it goes. But you can't, you can't have Snowy not know. Fair enough. Snowy could give it away. So he digs. Yeah, Snowy is a bit of a blabbermouth. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, he couldn't tell the whole plan to Snowy. No way. Yeah. Dog. He tried to dig him out himself. But then it turns out, who rescued him? Who well, rescued who, Tintin? who are these ladies that rescued yeah, him? Yeah, these ladies of the night. Who, who? Are... Well, you don't call them ladies of the night just because they're out. Because they're out at, they're out they're at, at night. night. The la- that's what I meant. The ladies are out at night. Ladies of the night. Uh, who are these ladies? Bum bum bum. It's Thompson the, and Thompson. It's Thompson and Thompson. Who are who? They don't want him executed for spying. They want him arrested for yeah. for drug smuggling and gun smuggling and also other things. Yeah, like, they're doing this by the book. Yes, they're always. Always by the book. But there's a knock on the door. Here it's rat tat tat <laughs> uh, Open, open quickly. It's the grave digger. It's... All is lost. We are betrayed. The soldiers are coming. We shall be slaughtered. You know what? Say it in a shorter uh, series of words. Then, yeah. If it's really... There's no time. Let me explain. Yeah. Uh, people are arriving shortly, and we are doomed. I will keep telling you... <laughs> Just run. That, that would do fine. But something that Hergé was so good at drawing, we see that in the... In Tintin in America, <clears throat> as well, the the scene when the uh, Native Americans are piling on each other, and then the the cowboys are piling on each other at the lynching. Here we have a bunch of soldiers coming crashing through the door, all ending up laying on top of each other. Very tricky scene to to draw. Very tricky yeah. scene to draw, and very wonderfully done. The the guy landing uh, chin first with his legs flying, you know, over his head. Just wonderfully done. Lots of dynamic drawings there. I really really appreciate that. And it, it looks as though Tintin has escaped via the roof. Yeah. You see the Thompson, Thompson, Thompson are running away. And they're probably hearing that as well, hearing mm-hmm. running on the roof. Yes, because they're still wearing their, their hobnailed shoes still. You can see yeah. the nails in there. And so then, uh, so of course, the, the soldiers all run out to try and catch them. And then Tintin happily is hidden behind a cloak hanging from the, the cloak rack. I would say this plan would work. It's a brilliant this is a plan. Pretty, this is actually a pretty good plan. Yeah. Yeah. Except for uh, Tintin's run of bad luck that seems to have struck suddenly. Yeah. He runs around the corner and smashes right into the sergeant who was uh, yelling at him while he was going through his basic training, his military training. And well, so. And this is, by the way, where we kick up the stars a notch. And we're yeah. seeing some, uh, we're seeing Saturn. Yeah. We're seeing a moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're mixing it up. Yeah. It's like the lucky charms of uh, really was. head injury. And so then he, a beautiful drawing of, of Tintin running out of the city. That city gate and the turret, very, very, very nicely done. And, you know, it's, then what's nice about it is it's drawn like a freehand. So you get that sense of, of antiquity, that it's not just a new, you know, uh, wall put up, but it's an old place, that there's a bit of wear, that it's, you know, that it's, there's a little bit of roughness, you know, to it. It's, it's, it's well done. If you done. were a kid and you were a fan of Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm-hmm. you would like this scene. This sure. scene of just like running and then like running up to the plane and everything. Yeah. This feels... Yeah. Feels yeah. like that, yeah. Yeah. I was reading this before I saw Raiders, but yeah. Oh, right. We we have to say every episode, David is very old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there we go. That's okay. true enough. I'll Not wait. me. I'm as yeah. young as a kitten. I'm going to shake my cane at you. Uh, and I like that uh, it is clever. It's a quick bit of thinking here. As he runs towards this, there's a, you know, he wants, he sees a plane. Right. He says, oh, I can take that plane. But there's a soldier guarding it. So he goes running towards the soldier, pointing back at Snowy, saying, mad dog, mad dog. Yeah. And then... Uh, but what he says, though, is he says, mad dog, uh, it's gone mad, stop it. Now, it's lucky Atticus Finch ain't there, or that's the end of Snowy, <laughs> right? The guy's got a rifle and the mad dog is there. You run from yeah. the mad dog when you've got a rifle? 
Yeah. No. Okay. By the way, well, you couldn't. I mean, he's not ready. It's not. It's not up at his shoulder. I mean, by the time he got it ready to aim, the dog would be on him, eating okay. his face off. All right. Now you look how close he is. All right. It's already well, well within uh, murder range. So I'm just saying, Atticus Finch would have had taken that dog. But what's right good down. is that he's running away, and then how quickly the plane is in the air. And yeah. it's like, I like that quick transition, but that makes it better because we see his reaction to the huh? I've been tricked. So Tintin, of course, being Tintin, can fly a plane. Uh, and what, what's interesting here is it's drawn in 1955, and they're still using old biplanes. <laughs> so I, I like that, uh, just a kind of a nod back to the original uh, material, I guess, where they would have made more sense in the 30s to have biplanes than in, than in 1955. Oh, they're also, they're fun. Oh, yeah, they're fun. Who doesn't like a biplane? Who doesn't want to sop with camel flying around? <laughs> but uh, well, Tintin, being a little more modern, is, is he's driving in the, the monowing. Is that what it's called? <laughs> Yeah, what okay. what do you call it? Uniwing? That doesn't make sense because there's a mono. Two. I think it's a monoplane. All right, because there's one, two there's two wings regardless, yeah. so that would make sense. And now we're getting That's into true. a dogfight here. Yes, pretty one sided because because uh, Tintin's plane is not equipped with a, with a weapon, mm-hmm. so he though it is equipped with a dog. That's true. Who's mad? Mm-hmm. So he could have thrown, hurled him at the plane. Look, bad dog. Um, so then Tintin does the only thing that he thinks he can do. He goes into a dive. Yeah. Making it look like he's been hit, and he disappears into the cloud, the layer of clouds. Yeah, very cocky uh, guy who thinks he's shot mm-hmm. him. And that's what's just known Directly. as a clean kill. That's right. Like, he does everything but hold his hand up for a high five after that. Yeah. You're not just following orders, buddy. You're enjoying this. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. It's weird. Uh, in French, he says, that's what one calls to be uh, descended. Like, to descend downstairs or something. Okay, that's the that's the idiom for for being shot out of the sky, well, dear dear France or Belgium or what have you. Yeah. Maybe explain that joke to us at some point, <laughs> and see if it actually is funny joke or more like the other guy in the plane just goes, yeah. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I gotta laugh at everything you, you say while say, we're in the sky. Well, Once we're on the ground, let's see how funny. The other that one is. isn't hilarious either. That's what you call a clean kill. I mean, no, the other one's just a brag. Yeah, it's just like pretty th- good, huh? But I think this pretty is pretty good brag shooting too. that innocent kid out of the sky. How'd you like that? Also killed a dog. Huh? Yeah. I'm pretty brave. Oh, he didn't have any guns. Nope. Yeah. No, I, clean kill. I think this is a the, the French version of clean kill. All right. Well, why don't we go to the next page where we can see some trees, which you probably will enjoy. Because that, <laughs> that plane going down through trees. Oh, very well. It's very well nicely done. Yeah, that very is nicely a good done. plane crash. The, and at the end the of wing it. Wing turn off. And then Snowy and Tintin falling out. And yeah. then a little bit of shtick at the end. Uh, getting hit in the head with what? The medical kit. Yep. And then... All he needs is a book of instructions, and it's bigger than the other book. And what does it say on the book of instructions in English? Home doctor. Oh, yeah, basically the same thing. It says, le petit infirmier, so the, the little nurse. Yeah, how about this instead? How about uh, first aid for uh, pilots? You gotta, you're carrying this heavy book in your plane. I like that it's so big, yeah. Yeah. For anything. It has, like, cancer cures in it as well. Well, that's it's the thing. It's like, when you're in a plane, you want the heaviest sure. books you can going up there. Well, you don't know. Really you, weigh it down. You might have to deliver a baby. You need to know how to do that. Okay. For now I'm now I'm getting a little worried, Dave. Yeah. Because the last time I saw Tintin with an elephant, yes. it did not go well. No, it did not. This is a guy that drilled holes in a rhino, and, inserted dynamite, yeah. and blew up the rhino. Yeah. And the, and what did he do with it? Yeah, he he shot an elephant in his pajamas. No, mm-hmm. he shot an elephant. <laughs> How got in uh, his pajamas? I'll never know. And uh, the 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 elephant slowly bled out. Yeah. Uh, over a course of an evening. Yeah. Still survived. Got angry. Uh, got shot again by a monkey. By a monkey. Yeah. Killed him. 
Let's and then Snowy could, so Snowy could take credit for it. Yeah, and then they uh, they harvest the tusks. What hilarity! <laughs> yes, and then I know it's funny. Snowy isn't it? prags about killing. It's funny. The I mean, we saw the change in Tintin in America. I think, but we're really seeing it here. It's uh, basically it's a new Tintin. It's not that sort of callous, devil may care screwball Tintin who just whatever. No, <laughs> whatever is this happening. This Tintin went to college, dated a girl who was in PETA. <laughs> for a while, uh, read some literature in the bathroom, and uh, now has some new no, ideas. I don't think he's gone quite that way. I think, but I think he just has a common decency. Yeah, it's a decent. You guy. know, and it's no longer just played for laughs in quotation marks. Uh, now it's you know he's a decent guy. He's a sick elephant. He's going to give him some quinine. And uh, now, what is that? Quinine is it's a it's a medicine used for malaria. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, he uh, gives him a big dose, uh, a yeah. lightning cure. And, uh, I don't think it's a lightning cure, but we had the same thing in, in Tintin in the Congo. Mm-hmm. Remember, he goes into the village and he finds someone there is sick and he gives him some quinine. And they're pretty much out and about. He, he's already he's put on his top hat and he's ready to go hunting. So it's similar here. The elephant does not have a top hat, uh, but he does react rather quickly. This is lightning cure or that. And then uh, the elephant's out and about. I like that he, he lifts him up and carries him in his trunk. Yep. He's so happy about it. Oh yeah, he's having a good time. It's it's friendly. It's friendly elephant. Brings business. him to a little little congress of elephants. I'm not too sure what a yeah. group of elephants is called. He gets the he gets the thank you from the elephants. Yes, it's like that. And then he tries to slip away. Uh-huh. Nope, they're not having it. No. Now they got a elephant doctor. They're a not do- letting him go. We have a doctor. So as we saw in uh, Land of the Soviets, we know that Tintin is a Boy Scout and is a master whittler. Yeah. And Except sometimes he will make the propeller. Uh, face the wrong way, wrong and direction. instead of flipping it over, yeah. he will whittle a completely different propeller. That's right. That's right. He will not uh, stand imperfection. No, not a bit. In his own work, not a bit. He is definitely. I mean, okay, that seems pretty. To me, that seems impossible. Absolutely impossible to whittle a propeller. Just okay. no way, because you'd have to have it both equally on both sides. Because <laughs> if it was lopsided, it would just it would break. It would fall yeah. apart. And just destroy the motor and everything right. else in the plane, right? It has to be perfectly weighted on both sides. Okay. They're very difficult to make. All right, but look, here's here's the logistics, really. Let me tell you the real logistics in Tintin. Yeah. All right, you're a boy who is nine. Yeah. Do you think if you knew how to whittle, yeah. you could whittle a perfect propeller? If you really knew how to whittle, you could whittle a perfect propeller. Let me say, nine-year-old Dave thinks he can. Yeah. And if a nine-year-old thinks that they can do it, if they knew sort of how to do it, then Tintin can do it. Huh. That's how it goes. What can Tintin do? Anything so, a nine-year-old thinks so is, someone someone like Tintin can do. Okay, well, that's interesting then. So is Tintin is Tintin's evolution a result of a of a of an aging audience? So did Tintin develop with the audience that read him? So the later books are more a reflection of the fact that he was being read by teenagers, by older teens, by young adults. As they grew, they grew up with Tintin and the books changed. That is one theory. I will give you a second theory. Is it a silly th- theory? No, no, it's not actually. Okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's a fairly serious th- theory. So everybody, please just put on your serious hats. Okay. Here's what I think it is. Um, when you when Hergé was starting, and again, I'm making assumptions and I'm projecting, and so let's sure. all just take this with the biggest grain of salt you can. Uh, he was serving not the character of Tintin. He was serving the gag. Yeah. So is this a funny gag? Is this a good yeah. action oh, no, scene? I'll, I'm yeah. going to have a character that's fairly generic performing these tasks, and there you go. But as things progressed, you're now serving the character of Tintin. And as you as you spend, like by this point, how many years has Hergé spent with Tintin? Three, uh, six years. Yeah. Right? So he likes the character. He knows the character. And you don't want a character that you relate to and probably project yourself into, by this point, more a more fully developed character, uh, murdering an elephant. 
Yeah. Because you don't care if this guy, who's a generic guy, is doing it, if it's a funny gag with the elephant. Yeah. But, you, but no, this no. fully developed character, agree. it's bad. I agree with yeah. you. But I, I also think that... the. I also think he was aware that his audience was changing, mm-hmm. and that he, he and he was changing stories, though too. And he was changing too, and the they were growing changed. together. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, th- I think that's where that's where the best work happens. And again, I I kind of come through this through you know Marvel comics and that sort of thing. But Marvel to me, Marvel comics, nerd. They're right there. You are. Uh, their ideal uh, f- phase was where the staff was kind of aging at the same time as the audience. Yeah. they were growing together. That's right. And then. And then after that, they tried to recreate that over and over again. They couldn't really. No. But for, for a time, that's usually the best time for an artist is where yeah. you're growing at the same time yeah. as, the, uh, as, the, uh, as, as your audience. It's hard to duplicate a zeitgeist. Yeah. All but, of the, hey, if you want to hear more of that stuff, listen to our Completely Beatles podcast. We talk about that kind of thing through the whole thing. So now the propeller is unbelievable. Now to me, whittling a horn is not impossible because basically he's just whittling a vuvuzela or something like that. Just a, a thing that you just go... All right, now you're. Yeah. Saying, I'm expecting a butt coming in here right now. No, no. What? No, okay. Listen, I think a person can can whittle a propeller faster than they can, or or more realistically than they can whittle. No. Wait, a horn. Yeah. That can specifically talk to elephants and tell them. Well, it can tell it's them not that different he specifically talk to them. He's just duplicating. They're trumpeting right. using a trumpet. So but, a trumpet, all a trumpet is played by is your lips. No, I understand that. You don't need right. So you can make your embouchure tighter or looser. No, you got to that. make the notes higher or lower. Sure, that can all be done with look, with when, a pipe. When that you, you put were, a horn on. When you were onto. a kid, did you ever do this? Did you ever look at your dog? Yeah. Did you listen to the dog say things and go, "I'm going to speak the exact same way to my dog okay, with that, the exact same cadence yeah, yeah. No, to no, my no. dog"? That's silly. And now I talk dog. I'm sorry. That's what's happening that here. That is silly. I'm he, just saying that. I believe that it's possible to whittle a working horn. Yes, but I'm not, not saying a... it's. War- I know that part is silly. You can't talk to elephants. I know okay. that's dumb. Okay, that's silly. Well, that's the point of the magic horn. It's not a you're magic telling horn. Me, you're telling me like the magic he's made, flute he's is like a... you know. Oh, anyone could whittle a whi- uh, whistle. Yeah, that's true, but not a magic flute. And this is a magic horn. No, no, it's not magic horn. It's it just is. that he's able to speak to elephants using a horn. It doesn't mean the horn is. He could do it with a trumpet. Apparently, it's not just that the horn is magic. Any horn will do. Mm-hmm. He's just made a horn, and yeah. he's able to Look, somehow once duplicate. Once again, I'm going to go back to my old thing. A nine-year-old. People can whittle incredible no, a, things. A nine-year-old looking at Tintin would go, Tintin could talk to elephants. If he made something that sounds like an elephant, he wouldn't be able to talk to elephants. My wife's uncle. Is an elephant. No, and sir, I am offended by this discussion. Which would make him my sixth cousin, 19th removed. My wife's <laughs> uncle. He, he would whittle, he could whittle like lengths of chain out of a branch. Mm-hmm. That were all connected together. Of course. It was like, whittled. No, I've got uncles that could do that too. He you could, know why? Because they didn't have TV. He would you make had a, to do things. Well, he, this, he was a tracker, so he was out in the woods. Okay. But he would like make he would whittle a box and it would have a ball in it that would roll around inside the box, all made out of a solid sure. piece of wood. Crazy. So I believe you can make a working horn. Right. Can a horn actually communicate with elephants? No. That and is you can't very specifically comical. tell them you want a Flintstone shower. No, you cannot tell them that. And then, but what's amazing is... And if you did, why would you want one? Because all the water just came out of an elephant's nose. And an elephant's nose is not... What's it full of? Mucus. And what's most unbelievable is the elephant doesn't say, eh, it's a living. (laughs) That's true. So yeah, he does get a shower from the elephant. That seems kind of odd. Yeah, with his mouth open. And then, ah, uh, right. like we do. Yeah, taking that water, just spit it back out. Yeah, and I like that Snowy is enjoying it 
to the side. He's just getting a little bit of spray off to the side because there's not a dog on earth that does not enjoy yeah. a shower. And Tintin wears shorts, of course, because he's a gentleman and would not be nude in front of an elephant. I think those are his boxer briefs. All right. But uh, yeah, that's more for the us than for the elephant. But uh, then, then he tells the elephant, using his uh, elephant horn, <laughs> that he's going to go for a walk. Okay. And he goes off to explore. And what does he see? But the glyph that we've seen before on the cigars and on the side of the uh, tomb of the, of the pharaoh. Right. The, uh, this familiar looking cigar or this. And also on the note, the message from the uh, villain, the unseen villain. So we know that something is afoot. And what is afoot is that it's, uh, it is Dr. Sarcophagus and he is painting the symbol onto trees while singing the Sheik of Araby. Now, what <laughs> song is it in the French version? Uh, in the French version, he is not singing. Okay. Where do you see him? He is singing in panel two. Oh, oh, uh, yeah, it says, Sur la mer, calme. So uh, it's a different song. It's on the calm sea, which is probably also a well-known song in, uh, Fran- in Belgium or in, in, in Fran- French language. And yes, Tintin is amazed. And oh, yes, those trees are unbelievable. I just so love I mean, I pretty much stolen line for line how Hergé draws trees, and, and I just think it's a, a marvel of, of uh So design. if you see David at a comic convention, yes. ask him to draw you a tree. Just say, And then it says underneath, after Hergé. That's right. It's like I've credited him for everything I've stolen from him. All right. Not. So uh, Tintin wants to know everything that's happened since the coffins. Mm-hmm. And there's a shh, not so loud, I'll tell you, you got to keep it a secret. You know, absolutely between ourselves. Yes, I'm the Pharaoh Ramses too. And he he he's he says keep it quiet, and then he shouts it into Tintin's ear because you can see the shout lines and Tintin jumping in the air because his ear has been injured. His eardrum has been injured by someone shouting in it. Mm-hmm. I really like his garters, by the way. Yes, well, that's what the thing because there wasn't uh, wasn't like polyester, right? So the the socks did not stretch and stick. well, back then gravity was a lot stronger. No, it's as like, well, so, so your socks would fall down. Much if you easier. say so, yeah. just, if you just had wool, I mean, they would it would just it would just stretch well, out. To Dave, the, that's just fall. science. You know how they say people were shorter back in the old days? Yeah, that's because gravity was more. Yeah, whatever. Okay, hey, if you don't trust science, you don't trust science. I don't trust science. So uh, now uh, Tintin, Apparently. Tintin is uh, saying, "Poor Doctor Sarcophagus." You know, um, because Tintin, he's gone mad. Right, it's gone beyond. It's not just absent-minded. It's not shtick anymore. It's now not we're just, not yeah. enjoying. Mm-hmm. Buster Keaton, we're thinking Buster's clinically depressed. That's right. Maybe we got to get him on something because right. we're That's a little right. worried about him. That deadpan has become something else. Yeah. You know, maybe the little tramp really should get something to eat. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're filled. Yeah. So, uh, so Tintin and summons. Quit, quit making his buns into dancing feet. Yeah, eat them, you fool. Yeah, You're starving. Them. You're a tramp. <laughs> um, so uh, Tintin summons his elephant friend. By the uh, way, that's a, that's a probable inf- influence on the uh, Thompsons as well as Charlie Chaplin. I'd say so. that's very Chaplin-esque with the cane and the, the bowler hats. And would you not say Laurel and Hardy? They would have been later, I think, than... Uh, well, maybe not, because they had silent films too, didn't mm-hmm. they? Yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah, their dress. I would definitely. say for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, summons the elephant with his non-magic horn. Uh, what does the little <laughs> human want of me? Yes. Uh, it, burr, burr, it looks burr, burr. actually like the elephant's getting tired of this business. Yeah. Like, I think if Tintin stayed in the First jungle one more day, yeah. he's getting the, the, the big toss from That's the elephant's right. like, okay, doctor, we all had some fun. That's Show right. us how to make the medicine, and now get he's, out of here. He's going to find a new meaning for ivory tower. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not your shower massage, Jack. <laughs> That's right. All right. 
So, uh, so they're all now going for a ride, uh, you know, and uh, he, he's certifiably crazy, Dr. Sarcophagus mm-hmm. now, but yeah. in a way that's kind of fun. Sure. And uh, the elephant He's greeting helps, a tree. Yeah, elephant helps himself to, it looks like some liquor, maybe a little vodka. Yeah. There. A little good morning, hope we're not disturbing you. And, uh, and, uh, oh, so you mentioned there's a, a man sitting on a veranda? Oh, sorry about that, did not. Yeah, so we find, a, obviously, a, a, a Brit, a colonial... Because I, I don't think it's been said yet. Well, we don't really know where he is, but there's elephant, so it's either he's in Africa, yeah, or, or India. Or he's in India. So if you know anything about African and Indian elephants, you'll know that the ears are smaller on Indian elephants, and so we know that this is an Indian elephant. So we suspect that he's in India, and we see this fellow sitting on his veranda, uh, reading the paper, smoking his pipe, right? British. So we're in India, probably. Yes, and he has some gin. And let me, yeah. And now the elephant is drunk on gin. <laughs> the elephant says, mind if I step in? And yes, yeah. he puts his trunk into his into Which his worries glass. me because, you know, as Evan Dorkin with the Milk and Cheese comic says, gin makes a man mean. Mm. Maybe it makes an elephant mean too. I don't, I don't think there's enough there to even <laughs> bother how much him. Do, how much gin do you want to give an elephant before he, is, well, he I don't, starts fighting? I don't, yeah, but I mean, a glass of gin for an elephant, the si- that size, you know, I think it's going to break I don't it down know. How much before the elephant shouldn't drive? Yeah, I think that's quite a bit before an elephant can't drive. So, um, Also, elephants can't drive. Why is that? They don't need any gin in order to not be able to drive. <laughs> okay. There's like no amount of gin that you can get an elephant that would make him drive or not make him drive. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, we have gone off the rails a little bit, <laughs> but we're getting to the end, folks. It's uh, We're going through. Uh, by the way, uh, speaking of drinking things, when I started to read the Indian portion of this, I uh, did it while drinking Darjeeling tea. Oh. Wow. So I was trying to get the full sensory right. uh, right. thing going on. So let me advise you, if you're reading along with us and you have access to Darjeeling tea right now, uh, brew yourself some. All right. So we have a, a doctor sent for mm-hmm. because of Dr. Sarcophagus is obviously mad. So a doctor comes, and uh, what does he say? The the doctor, uh, yeah. he needs treatment as soon as possible. There's a special hospital not far from here. The superintendent is a friend of mine. You could take him there in the morning. There we go. As they all have a nice drink, maybe <laughs> of gin. Possibly. Yeah. Meanwhile, you don't see the elephant because the elephant's drunk in a corner. <laughs> Why wouldn't the elephant starting be drunk? To, starting to fight. After one sip of uh, yep. gin. And then Tintin wow, gets they have introduced. A weak, weak system, weak metabolism. Gets introduced to a whole bunch of guests. We got yes. Reverend Peacock, Mr. and Mrs. Snowball, very British, and the well-known poet Zlotty. Zlotsky, yes, he's uh... Zlotsky. Where is the ski coming at the end of that? I got Z L O T Y. Where's oh, it? I've got Z L O T Z K Y. Oh, interesting. Okay, mm. and uh, Tintin notice it. By the way, let's remember these characters for future use. Yes, for future reference. Yeah. By the way, they're all well-done caricature characters caricatures yeah they look like the kind of people that might have been caricatures of someone Mm -hmm. like when you say the well-known poet zloty it feels like that might be someone that uh or at least the archetype of that someone yeah by the way that is the only one that snowy is impressed with with the entire in the entire comic the only time snowy is ever impressed is like oh the well-known poet zloty well to be fair it's the only one that he's visible now i understand that but look at snowy's expression he really does appreciate poetry yeah um, and then uh, Tintin notices on the wall a Hindu dagger. Yes. What's interesting? I was going to say one thing interesting about it. like he shows a the priest. I'm assuming an Anglican priest because this is British India, and uh, he's dressed like a like a uh, Catholic priest with a long cloak that goes almost to his knee or down mm. to his knees. Not common uh, priestly garb for for uh, British vicars. So it's interesting. 
So with but the, anyway, now here's a here's a here's the thing that it's a cultural thing. Oh, it is a cultural thing. Uh, here's the thing with the Hindu dagger. It says it's uh, made of steel, a deadly little toy. Yeah, I was given it to by a faker. He told me it had magic powers, and here's the magic powers that I don't find are very magical. <laughs> it's supposed to point uh, to anyone whose life is in danger. Yeah. Now, let me tell you this, Dave. Yeah. I've got a gun. Yes. And my gun, by the way, points to anyone whose life is in danger. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. 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 I don't know if they meant by in someone's hand because I think that is pretty obviously scary. <laughs> yeah, danger. that's right. I think they just meant in general, like some you know, if you drop it, it will land and point at someone. Let me show you how I think danger. this sale went for the faker. It went yeah. like this: Hey, I've got a magic knife. Let me tell you how it works. It yeah. uh, points at anyone whose life is in danger. Oh, yeah. I'm not that uh, interested in buying it. Really, <laughs> it seems to be pointing at. Oh, I'll buy that right away. Yeah, there we go. And that's right. the transaction happened. That's right. You know. That's something that salesman would do from earlier on in the story. <laughs> uh-huh. So they're all having... Oh, by the way, he drops the uh, dagger and it points at... Tintin. Or the ground. Which Maybe can, the ground's life the ground's is in danger. Life, but Tintin's life is in danger. I mean, Tintin should be saying, what else is new? Yeah. Like, I've since we've been introduced to Tintin, when has his life not been in danger? Briefly when I was on a boat taking a vacation. That's right. For those brief minutes. But even then, it was in danger of sinking. True. Uh, they hope it doesn't. Uh, this isn't considered a bad omen. Bang! And uh, door flies open. Yeah. So some nice little touches here. Like we've, we've reached a, a little bit of a, you know, like a bit of a resting point in the story, just like before it sort of ramps up towards a climax. But even here, he, he still has some nice touches. Yeah, like the the dagger, fo- this seek, uh, dagger falling and pointing at Tintin, and then the door slamming open as the storm is starting yeah. to brew. Those are nice little touches of, of you know, the kind of, here we have a, a little bit of a lock, we have a bit of that mystery sense of Agatha Christie. Yeah, when you were saying the Agatha Christie thing earlier, it's like, yeah. Tintin is not Agatha Christie-esque, but these characters are. Yeah. Like, after this after this story's done, they've got to, like, go over and, and uh, do Ten Little Indians They have now. to go join Hercule Poirot yeah. on the train. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, there, and of course, a slamming door must be followed by a scream. Yes. So, upstairs, so up, up you go. Uh, hearing, uh, hearing, uh, help, save me. What's, what's going on now? Mrs. Snowball is passing out. No, she's yelling from downstairs. Right, but then she, she faints. Yes. Uh, she fainted just as I came in, says, uh, Tintin. Uh, she saw a ghost. A ghost! Yeah. That's always the first thing I, I jump to when I see someone wearing a, sh- a tablecloth. I immediately jump to, uh, well, Ghost. this has saved Tintin's life in the past, if you remember. In Land of the Soviets, uh, Tintin disguised himself as a ghost and Snowy as a ghost and fooled a whole bunch of grown men into uh, into running in terror. So so now the insane Dr. Sarcophagus, wearing a bedsheet, I think, actually not a tablecloth, wearing a bedsheet and carrying the, the dagger, uh, heads out into the forest at night. Right. So and, the following and morning... And he's gone from being ha-ha to uh Mm-hmm. Uh, scary. Yeah, they they spot his uh, top hat. Uh, uh, Tintin does a little fashion show for Snowy. Dresses up. Yeah. Uh, Snowy is again impressed, almost as impressed <laughs> as he is to see a poet. Yeah. You know what? I think Snowy is a bit of a cultural snob. I think uh, those are the kind of things he likes. He doesn't like the lowbrow business. <laughs> um, and so uh, this is actually kind of a good bit of shtick. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Sarcophagus looks up and sees his knife. Doesn't realize he's the one holding it and runs from himself. Uh, as the guy holding the knife. Then Tintin and him run around a tree until they get confused as to who's chasing who and for what. He's running from himself with a knife? Isn't mm-hmm. he chasing after Tintin to stab him? No, I think uh, here's what's happening. He's trying to kill Tintin. No, all right. No, His arm gets stuck stuck on a vine. No, what I think has happened here... Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, he's going to, goes to stab... I mean, he's to go a little ahead. He's been hypnotized 
by the by the fakir to or what, how do you say the name fake whatever he's been hypnotized by this person whose name we've read many times but don't have right. to pronounce to try to kill Tintin so no you're right but the way I was looking at it was it looks like he looks up sees the knife I think he's just surprised that the knife is yeah stopped. and now he's not mean anymore he doesn't have the angry look he has a look where he's as scared as Tintin is so it seems like he's running from something I too think, I think he's just concerned because Tintin is not cooperating with ah, this whole murder I see, scheme. With the murder situation. But I do like that they end up running around a tree and then Tintin is behind him and grabs onto the tails of his of his uh, coat. And says, what a fine ghost you are. <laughs> and, you know, this is a guy who can play a good ghost. So Tintin can give notes on this sort of thing. Uh, but now it's now we get a very childlike Dr. Sarcophagus. Yes. Yeah. His toy is taken away from him. Right. And now we've gone from funny to to scary. Yeah. Now we're kind of getting a little melancholy and we're yeah. feeling for the guy again. The infantile yeah. madman. And uh, then we run into the faker. Yes. Who is upset, of course, that that he didn't kill Tintin. And he says, I will use the writer. Right? You will use the writer? Yeah. All right. Show me where this is. Oh, I will use the poet. Yeah. That's oh, okay. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. They call him the writer in here, not... Okay. Uh, and Actually, he says, I will use the man who writes, is Okay, what he says. all right. Uh, well, he's going to kill him using a poet. That seems like the worst way to kill a person. <laughs> yeah. If you're well, gonna... I don't know. If you have to listen to a lot of poetry. That's what I'm saying. That is murder. That is rough. That you is... know, how many haikus does it take to kill a guy? You know, yes. and so he's uh, saying he won't even need hypnotizing, you know, but, but uh, Tintin's not having that. Pulls a gun, and a gun beats hypnotism. Yes. Hands up fast. But oh, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Nope. Because now he's in his power. He says, oh, those eyes. At least in mine, I'm just translating it. Hi- and he's hypnotized both Tintin and Snowy. This guy's so good, he can hypnotize a dog. Yeah, it's, Snowy is. He's he's on his wobbling as well. The childish uh, Doctor Sarcophagus picks up the gun. Yeah. Uh, shoots a coconut out of the tree, which lands on the faker's head. Yeah, it's good shtick. That's it. But is a, here's a question for you: Do coconuts grow in India? Boy, that is a good question. I do not know. I have never heard of an Indian. It did not coconut. occur to me to, to check that out. I I didn't didn't I'm ask to think myself now. that question. In an Indian now. restaurant, do they have coconut? You know what? I think they do. I guess they maybe do because they have coconut curry yeah, like yeah. in Thailand. Yeah, like okay. It's similar. Sure. You tell us again, folks. Once again. Uh, now, uh, what do we know? Now it's scary again because Dr. Sarcophagus is thinking <laughs> it's a kid. It's a kid. He's a kid-like thing and he's yeah. shooting off the gun. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then try shooting a butterfly, but then bang, bang, all gone. Yeah. Yeah. No more piff-paff, he says in French. Yeah. Well, and a sympathetic but still determined Tintin uh, takes him back. So do we want to talk about let's let's kind of skip through this sequence just to sure. kind of rush along. Okay, so they go back, they confront the poet. The poet <laughs> the poet is uh unwilling to to tell what happened because he's afraid. Then he's struck by a dart. As you do in neck. every movie. Every movie mm-hmm. is this scene. I'm not gonna tell you who the guy is. You gotta tell us who the guy is. Yeah. Alright, I'll tell you who the guy is. Blam! Yeah. yeah. Done. Oh, that's the worst. This that's bad, but here's the worst one. They phone the person, say, I know who did it. The guy says, well, tell me you did it. They say, I'm, I'm coming over. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was actually listening to a radio show one time, and the guy said, said no, no, tell me now, because this never works. That's right. He actually said that, and I was yeah. like, oh, that's so fantastic. I know who killed Laura Palmer. The person, I'll tell you in the morning. We're going to meet for breakfast. Yeah, the person still didn't, and still didn't, and it worked out badly. But yeah, so the figure uh, shoots uh, this dart into the back of the poet's neck, and he goes insane. So we know that he also has been yeah. hit and this by is the permanent. poison. This, there's no going back. Of what is called the red rajaja poison the mm-hmm. sh- so the uh he goes insane and so now it's both he and professor sarcophagus uh playing basically kind of playing uh 
games. Yeah, well, they take them to the sanitarium. We have some, you know, it's it's not the saddest sanitarium. It's no, kind of funny pretty stuff. Pretty There's pretty a guy who thinks he's Napoleon. Of course, you he know, does. everyone's that's the sign of madness. Yeah, you have. Although a... I've heard that the actual, the most common person personage people think they are is uh, Jesus. That's the most common. I would assume so. Character. People assume in, in in madness. Yeah, I I, I have a friend. But Napoleon, a, I have a friend who's a lawyer that represented a guy who thought he was Jesus in court once. Yeah, so uh, I guess the next most common one is if you're living in France is Napoleon. Yeah, well, it's easy. You just put your hand in your uh, jacket, and uh, now you're Napoleon. Now you're Napoleon. But Tintin thinks he's just checking that guy in. Uh, walks into a room, gets the door slammed behind him, and finds out, uh, well, now he's uh, committed. Because mm-hmm. the doctor got a note saying uh, he will give you this letter himself. He will tell you it concerns his two companions. He's extremely dangerous. You should yeah. trick him into entering the cell rather than force him. Uh, he will keep insisting that he's completely sane. Yeah. What I like here in this sequence, actually, is is the use of this, the Sikh characters. Uh, like, we see a, a madman who's a Sikh. Mm-hmm. But we also see Sikh nurses, so you know, or attendants. So, and they're just guys. Yeah. You know, there's no attempt to. They're not buffoons. They're not patsies. They're just characters in the story. You know, uh, and you know, in this case, Tintin is upset that they're going to give him soup when he's trapped in this room. So he punches the soup tureen. It lands on the head of one of the attendants. The other guy goes to help him, and then Tintin takes that opportunity to escape, jumps the wall, and then. Let me, by the way, say that's a lot of soup for one guy. Yeah, for one guy. But I think that they're taking it around and, and ladling it out to people. Probably. I do not see any bowls. I know, but it's a pretty, it does seem like too much. But we do have a little bit of impossibility here. Yeah. Uh, a kind of a cartoonish element that would probably, you know, would f- fly in the days of Tintin in the Congo or Tintin in America, but it's not going to fly in the later stories, which is he climbs a tree, jumps onto the stomach of this Sikh gentleman uh, laying by the wall, and is able to trampoline. Is a portly gentleman. Yes. Is able to, yes, a, a skinny person, this would not work, as we know. This jumps on this guy's stomach, and then he springs over the wall with a bye-bye. Yeah. In my, uh, now, back back in those days, you did have in the circus the Indian rubber men. Now, maybe this guy was made of maybe. rubber. It could be. And uh, could ball-like be. just bounced off him. Now, here's the what Indian I don't... rubber man was just a person who did yoga, but anyway. Yeah. Now, here's what I don't get is how Snowy yeah. made it over. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? But, you know, he could probably just fit through the bars of the gate. There's yeah, no... you know what? Snowy wasn't committed. He wasn't committed. He was not, uh, yeah. Yeah. There's no paperwork would... done for him. That's true. Yeah. So, uh, then uh, Tintin's running for a train. Always a bad idea when Tintin's on a train, but... Yeah, uh, he grabs on, and the sad part is that Snowy cannot get on. He just barks at him. Yeah, poor he Snowy. Says, what about me? And then uh, on t- the trainer, the Tintin has t- escaped, and I like his saying, "Poor Snowy," but he says, "Saved, poor Snowy." But at least he can get off to the next place, and he's fine. And he doesn't see behind him the faces of Thompson Thompson. And this kind of, you know, what I was saying before is they're not completely incompetent. They were able to trace him. You know that he flew from wherever he was to to this uh, kind of unnamed place in India, they were able to track him down. Okay, but here's one thing. They didn't know that he was there at the sanitarium. They're going somewhere else, and dumb luck is helping uh, them But no, they're on their way there to to get him. To the sanitarium? It's it's no accident that they're there. No, no, no. I don't mean they're going to the sanitarium, but I just mean that they're they're in the general area because they know that's where Tintin is. They're arriving. They're probably going to get off at the next station. Oh, okay. And to start their investigation. Because to me it feels like they're just blown by the sanitarium. I don't think they're just blown by the sanitarium. All right. I mean, they're blown by the sanitarium in the sense that, yes, they're on a train and it does not stop at the sanitarium. The same way that right. I'm blowing by. There's one of two. There's one of two things that can be happening here. One is they are very competent and know generally where Tintin's going yeah. to be. Yeah. Or two, uh, they're wandering around and dumb luck is like uh, making him hit them on. I the head. think that's. Uh, 
I mean, you could say dumb luck, but you know, whatever. I see. I don't know them from later stories. You know these characters, and you're you're yeah. No, they're the you're same. You're adding the okay. They're the same. So they're not a couple of dumbbells. I think that they're they're incompetent. Are they? But they're not terrible okay. policemen. Are they say a Inspector Clouseau type? Where no, not that incompetent. Okay, a get smart type. Not that incompetent. Right. They seem. They seem along. They seem of that ilk to they, me. Along those lines, but I don't think quite as bad as those. those we'll see, right. You'll see. You'll see. So once well, again, I mean, like I say, they they are they are they do have their heads about them to save Snowy. Oh, you know, hey, and we'll get to that scene. In listen, a minute, Clouseau but. and uh, Maxwell Smart also uh, solved a lot of crimes. They uh, do have the misfortune of ending up in the dark with Tintin, as we've established through a series of books now. Being in the dark with Tintin generally means that you will end up holding on to each other or injuring someone else and not Tintin. Right. And in this case, it is the person who is collecting tickets. Yes. Gets right. clocked in the head. The doctor's upset to learn that they've escaped. Uh, there's a little, a great scene here where uh, Tintin cleverly pulls the brake, pulls the emergency brake for the train, causing it to stop, and then tells, tells uh, Thompson and Thompson that he, well, he's disguised as an old yeah. lady, saw them, pulled the brake because he saw him escaping into the trees. And so then Thompson and Thompson head off. Meanwhile, Snowy meets up with the uh, classic Indian joke, the sacred cow. Except this cow is a jerk. Yeah, well. He's just he's sacred. Out. He's a very smug jerk. Well, it's because you're sacred doesn't mean you have to be a jerk about well, it. Well, you know. Anyway, Continuous. Snowy has none of this and bites him in the leg. <laughs> yeah. And uh, everyone's running off to kill Snowy now. So now Snowy's in trouble. Poor Snowy. And I like, oh, and this, okay, the next scene, we'll have to go into a little detail on this scene, because I think it's a great uh, turnabout is fair play scene, where we have some uh, police waiting at the station, looking Mm -hmm. for Tintin. They've got information on him. It says, yellow shirt, uh, hair standing straight up. They see him. They start to head over towards him, and Tintin knows what's up. But he's eating a banana. (laughs) So he starts running away, and he starts dropping the peel onto the ground, causing these uh, policemen to slip and fall, as one does when one steps on a banana. Long established in, in, in movie comedy that this is also a sure we've established away. it in the very first Tintin that's story. That's right. That's right. Which also will crack your skull and kill you. They thought back then. Yeah, that's right. You would die. or at least end up in the hospital as a quadriplegic. That was what they're hoping for yeah. as well. This is some some terrible fate would befall you. So he throws down one, the policeman slips. He throws down the next one, the policeman slips. But the other policeman is too smart for this game, so he throws the banana peel under Tintin's foot, and Tintin falls. Ah, that's good. That's good shtick. And he ends up in a straitjacket, which I think is great. I mean, I just like the fact that he's not perfect; that you know things can go in, uh, you know, not in his favor. Mm-hmm. That it's not always dumb luck. I mean, yes, it is dumb luck that in the next scene, uh, he finds the car driven by the two madmen who were allowed, allowed oh, to leave the asylum. Oh, but before we do that, there's yeah. a beautiful little scene here where Snowy is tied up to a stake. And is about to be sacrificed before to, the uh, before the act. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, to Siva the the destroyer. Yeah, uh, <laughs> pretty harsh, <laughs> and yeah. it's just adorable and sad. But yes, you're <laughs> right. Oh, please continue with. So uh, yeah, a little poetic justice. Tintin escapes uh, when the ambulance crashes into a car driven by sarcophagus and Zlot Zlotsky or Zlotsky the because they're crazy. The poet. Yeah, they they don't know what they're doing, so they're driving down the middle of the road, drive straight into the ambulance. Tintin. Yeah, the guy doesn't, a uh, poet, he doesn't have a driver's license. He's got artistic license. He doesn't know how to drive a car. Tintin, un- unharmed, goes through the roof of the ambulance and is thrown several feet, at least 40 feet away from the ambulance, ends up in the trees. Yeah. And starts running away wearing the straight jacket still and uh, steps into a snare. Second time in the story, he's been pulled up by one of his feet. I like that it's uh, free, I'm free, and then 
he's caught. I like that he's uh, he's a bit of an optimist too, mm-hmm. because he is free while wearing a straight jacket. Yeah, that's so that's right. like that's really a, a half full glass. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then back to Snowy, about to be sacrificed. Yes. You know what? Infidel dog. Mm-hmm. There we go. Maybe yeah. uh, maybe we're right. And then uh, suddenly we have uh, Siva talking to the. Uh, I guess the temple priest. I don't know what exactly who this person is. The guy with the with the knife who's about to sacrifice Snowy. Uh, somehow, either, either it's either this way. The Sikh is speaking in in English as he's about to sacrifice Snowy, mm-hmm. and Thompson and Thompson have Siva speak English to the to the priest, or the priest is speaking in uh, Punjabi, mm-hmm. and then Thompson Thompson are fluent in Punjabi and speak Punjabi to the priest. Or as in my book, it's all done in French. I don't know. Yeah. It seems a little odd. I think, but we're, I think we're in Star Trek. Uh, everyone just speaks whatever. Yeah, the same language. And so, but it's fascinating in their part. They scare away the priest, yeah. and then they're able to rescue Snowy. It's not often you get Good comedy relief rescuing other comedy relief. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. So, uh, but then, very smart, if we follow the dog, we'll find the master. Mm-hmm. So there is actually a motivation, police-wise, for what they're doing. They're yes. not just doing this out of the goodness that, of their own arts. Like I say, they're not, they're not super dumb. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, now we, uh, we, we see some folks who have uh, found uh, Tintin hanging from the tree. And yeah. they uh, caught a young man in their tiger trap. Yeah. We are sure in India now because yes. they're tigers. Yes, there's tigers. And uh, we can tell that uh, they're tigers because the tiger attacks. <laughs> yes, and, yes uh, after, after Tintin's been taken down from the tree and freed from his straitjacket by this uh, Maharaja, of Rahaj Putala, is that the name that's in your book? Uh, yeah. The Maharaja of uh, Guy Pajama. Oh, so they went for a little joke there, pajamas. Yeah. Yep, when you say a little joke, you ain't fooling. <laughs> All right, so, so the tiger attacks, but then uh, inside the basket, uh, stuff's going on, everyone's looking shocked, yeah. and then Tintin, who, uh, amazing, Yes. Uh, has now the tiger in a straitjacket with a little piece of uh, wood in its mouth. <laughs> yes. And has tamed a tiger. Tamed the tiger. And the elephant actually seems fairly impressed by this, too. And this is the moment where they introduce each other and Tintin says, Tintin, reporter. Yeah. So he is a reporter. But we knew he was a reporter as well because his tomb, uh, where he was going to be uh, mummified, also had reporter underneath oh, it yeah. as that's his right. occupation. That's and right. Snowy's occupation was what? Dog. Yeah. That's right. He's not just a dog. He is. He's a professional dog. Professional dog. So now we have a little bit of exposition here. We discover that the Maharaja, father and brother, were both uh, driven mad, became mad. Mm-hmm. Now they don't know why. They don't know, don't know about the. At, at the this point, yet. it feels like, uh, listen, we're wrapping up the story pretty soon. Hey, mm-hmm. remember that plot? Yeah, yeah, we got a. Let's mm-hmm. let's get the plot. Yeah, in. we all like tiger attacks and uh, ships uh, crashing, but. Uh, what what's the point of this again? So yeah, he explains that you know he's trying to stop drug smuggling in the area. They the uh, and this is nice because it it is what really will would happen or does happen in areas where the peasants are forced to grow cash crops like like heroin, like opium, yeah. poppies, and they're not able to grow food for themselves. So they're having to uh, sell this uh, opium uh, to the smugglers at a very low price. And then the smugglers are not only are they selling the drugs at a high price, they're also selling back food to the these peasants at a high price. So it's a very exploitative system. You can see why the Maharaj is trying to end it. Yeah. One interesting thing on this page is in the original 1955 version, uh, if you look on the third tier down, where the Maharaj is talking to to Tintin, uh, originally Snowy was there in the drawing. Oh, 
So a bit of a mistake because Snowy was is still yeah. with the Thompsons. So yeah, it was just a little error that was corrected in 1970. Yeah, but something that you might make a mistake of if you were doing uh, the two pages a week. Well, were... these are of course were redrawn, so they're not from the two page. That's a week what I time. mean. But back then, yeah, why you yeah. Snowy. yeah. Okay, so uh, uh, they got the faker there. Now Tintin is going to try. Pardon me, knock out the faker with a stick. Yes. So yeah, they they sent they plant. Uh, the, so the Maharaj is laying in bed sleeping. Yeah. Oh, and sorry. The, I yeah, the fake here comes and shoots the dart into his neck. Oh, by the way, he climbs up a magic rope, so magic exists. Yes, that's There's right. no two ways about it. Mm-hmm. It's not, oh, maybe he found a way to... No, no. Yeah. Magic in this world magic exists. This world exists. So yeah, he climbs up the rope, and uh, and then he takes his magic rope and his uh, blowpipe. Blow right. And uh, starts heading towards Tintin, who's re- ready with a stick to whack him on the head, mm-hmm. and then he disappears. Is he magic? Well, we know, well, we know magic, he's magic. Yeah. So the yeah. magic. Yeah. But uh, even a magician sometimes needs just regular yeah. escape routes, mm-hmm. which it's a hollow tree. Yes. Tintin climbs down inside the tree and uh, and uh, and sees uh, a fully masked person, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the kind that you would have in a secret organization, mm-hmm. maybe a, some crazy cult. Yeah. Maybe if you were in a cartoon called Bimbo's Initiation. That's what maybe that's what it reminded me of too. I wondered if you'd seen the film because that film came out in 1931. Right. For those of you who don't know, uh, Bimbo was a character. That's where B- uh, Betty Boop came from. Yeah. All the old Bimbo cartoons. And there's one called. He's Bim- a dog. Yeah. He's a dog, uh, but a human-like dog. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if it's worth looking looking up this cartoon because it's crazy wild. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cartoon. But yeah, the uh, the characters here uh, remind us both of that. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of that. And I, I wondered if it was now in the original version of the sequence uh, Tintin is walking through these uh, underground passageways and there's a scene where he finds this uh, statue of a, of a Hindu god mm-hmm. and then a bunch of cobras come crawling out of it Ooh. and come crawling towards him and he's in a real pickle and but he throws some chocolate on the floor and the cobras go for the chocolate because of course cobras love chocolate snakes love chocolate right well known fact and they end up in one well, of those well you know why they get fooled here's why cuz uh, sometimes you have chocolate rabbits for easter they yeah. see it and like oh i like eating a rabbit and then they got a taste for uh, sweet tooth for the old uh, chocolate yeah okay, that's what happened yeah of course, so why they cut very that common out? Easter, very common in India, as we all know. Yeah, and so then uh, why they cut that bit out? I think he thought it was uh, superfluous to the to the general the main plot. Yeah, you, and he's this, trying to get in a lot of stuff. At this point, you're trying yeah. to burn through, and as you say, it's yeah. the longest one he's ever done. Yeah. All right. So. Well, it's the longest one he's ever done, so he's trying to condense it back to 124 pages into 62. Much like us, he's trying to wrap it up. Trying to wrap it up. All right. So it's the old. Uh, hiding behind a door, a person yeah. walks through. Whack it, whack it, whack it. See my note on this page. What's that? Bimbo's initiation. There you are. Uh, <laughs> grabs the guy. Luckily, as always, perfect fit for the clothing. But yes. because it's a robe, yeah, it's believable pretty, here. Pretty lo- loose fitting as well. Yeah, pretty loose fitting. Now we're at a uh, now we're at a meeting with the symbol we've seen through this whole thing on yeah. the table. The... They've taken the time to you know if, if you're going to have a crazy cult. Mm-hmm. Make sure you got a big symbol behind you and a big symbol in front of you. But what I love is that there's a phone. They're in yeah. this underground underground chamber. Uh, although, to be fair, it's got like steel doors. It has pipes running through it. So but I suppose it could also have a the phone. phone. Did they call the phone guy? Did yeah. he come in? Then they have to kill him afterwards? Well, he could have been a member of the organization. Oh, so one of them is a you, member of You the... recruit a phone telephone repairman just for that. But then he knows for the rest of the meetings they don't really want him there. Except maybe to fix the phone. And he's well. just like, well, my vote doesn't even count. <laughs> And then the plumber's there, too. Like, yeah. yeah, I had to set up the bathroom. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm just here burning the midnight oil for no reason. <laughs> anyway, so Tintin's in disguise. He's yeah. hearing uh, he's, he's hearing that this is uh, going on. He's hearing what's going on. Yeah. And then the phone rings in the middle of the meeting. Yeah. 
and very polite, by the way, for evil, uh, you know, uh, people. Uh, hello, yes, headquarters here. Like he's got to say that. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, why would you even have to? Like, who well, else the has this phoning? Num- well, the person phoning. You think he'd be dialing specifically to talk to headquarters? Well, but what do you have to? You're an evil cult but, organization. Like you're the lead. Okay, but he listen. can't say his name because no, it's anonymous. So he's saying headquarters. So here's the thing. Speaking. You're the Legion of Doom and Super Friends. Yeah. The phone rings. Does Lex Luthor pick it up and go, Legion of Doom? Yes. How may I help you? If he's polite, yes, he does. Really? Yeah. So they that pick is a, phone manners. They pick it up like in James One. Hi, Spectre. Yeah. Or well, can I direct your call? No, yes. I am the leader of the the evil that organization. Is, that is correct. That All is right. how phone, Fair enough. Those were once phone manners. A message today, from Cairo as in here. Wait, hold the line a moment. Nowadays, if you watch television, you think that no one says goodbye anymore when they hang up the phone. All right, but then he stands up and yells, "Brothers, we have a spy in our midst." Yes. And uh, which is good. That's a good scary thing. Like yeah. you've been outed. And that's a good ending to that. So you imagine that's the end of that page mm-hmm. for the week. So now you got to wait a week to find out how does Tintin get out of this pickle. So uh, since our rules forbid us to uncover uh, to uncover our faces, you will come one by one and give me our password. Whoever fails to give the word dies instantly. Like my thing on this was, how do we know that guy's not the spy? Yeah, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're all coming whispering. Good. Next. Yep. Right. Next. Yep. And then one. Oh, sorry, can't remember. Well, this must be Tintin. Yeah. And uh, oh, aha. I'll count to three. Has a gun. Brought a gun to the meeting. Yeah. Why not? Yes. Have a gun and a phone, just in case someone calls and says, shoot that guy, uh, and gives him three seconds to come up with the words. Uh, he's got him, though. He yells them out loud. What are your words uh, in the French version? Uh, kiosk et rahaj putala. I've got kiosk and uh, guy pajama. Yeah, so just the same. Yep. Just the uh, same. Then stupid fool, you're supposed to whisper. Now everyone knows. It's a good point. You should whisper the password. But he's panicking. He's got a gun. Yeah. He couldn't whisper. What are you going to do? You're like, I'll whisper it to you. You can't do that because then he's going to think he's going to lean and grab your gun. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that guy would have been shot. So uh, it's like, listen, we got to go the next password. We're going to go into this room. You come in. You give me the password. And then that's how that's going to work. So uh, we go all the way, all the way. It looks again like Tintin is at the end. Oh, what's he going to do? Goes in. Here's Tintin. Someone hits Tintin over the head with a bat. What's this? What? I'm confused. Yeah. What? Wait. The, the guy with the bat is Tintin. And uh, not a bad day's work. I must say, I was lucky to be called first. Yeah. And it's uh, a good game. Now let's see. Uh, let's have a look at the faces of our jungle Ku Klux Klan. Or Ku Klux Klan. Is that what he says? Yep. What did you get? Uh, He's not wrong. They do look like the Ku Klux Klan. He calls them... Yeah, he says these Cocos. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that means. Hmm. Well, apparently it's someone who dresses like the Ku Klux Klan in <laughs> yes, Europe. I guess so. <laughs> so uh takes off all their masks and we get to see the we, faker. We, that's not a surprise. No. Uh, a Japanese. All right, just one random guy. Well, that uh, see, that's interesting. That plays into the next book. So that's put there. Uh, ah, little he's thinking uh, ahead. Uh, yeah. All right, Mr. and Mrs. Snowball. That shows some planning. Uh, the colonel who sentenced me to death. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. The Maharaja's secretary. Yeah. Sorry. Keep going. The Maharaja's secretary. It's fantastic. And then uh, the faker wakes up and uh, escapes because, you know, he's a faker. You can't hold that guy with rope. He can control rope. Yeah. Rope uh, bends to his will. (laughs) He escapes, uh, opens the door fast, smashes Tintin in the face, knocks him out, and uh, says, uh, now I really have you in my power. But then what happens? Tintin is is faking the faker. And uh, (laughs) as he reaches down for a gun, uh, Tintin kicks his hand. And smashes him with the door. Yes. Oh, wait, does Tintin do that? No, it's the Thompsons uh, coming in and knocking him out. 
Good for them <laughs> with the Maharaja there. Congratulations, my friend. You brought off a, a masterful coup. And uh, Tintin's surprised, thinking, oh, don't you want to arrest me anymore? But like, no, no, now everyone's clear on everything. All the, oh, everything's good. We, we are all fine with you. Everyone's friends. And, uh, and uh, as for me, Tintin, I owe you my life. The dummy you put in my bed was hit by an arrow. The arrow intended for me. But <laughs> the faker gave him the slip again. Yeah. Everyone keep your eye on the faker. You know, learn from that one prison. <laughs> One hand on the shoulder at all times. Two guys, each with <laughs> rifles. That's how you make sure people don't escape. Yeah. Anyway, he locks them in, but uh, one of the Thompsons has a skeleton key. Yes. But by the time, you know, they get out, he's going to be long. What is called in French? Passepartout. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So uh, Tintin runs to get in a car, as do the Thompsons, but the Thompsons are back to being comedy relief characters. Yeah. <laughs> and they fall backwards. Oh, by the way, of course, because uh, it's the Thompsons, Snowy's back with them now. Yes. So, good for Snowy. It's cute, actually, seeing Snowy and Tintin in that car together. Yeah, on the roadster, driving yeah. along. And a uh, really nice, uh, windy road, beautiful cliffs. So, it's and it, so an interesting sequence here. Yeah, the beautiful, beautifully drawn. The car is great as well. And so, we get this uh, great sequence uh, with the figure, and now we see the big boss. Mm-hmm. Or we assume it's a boss of some sort, but because we, we do not see his face. Right. So, it's a mystery. Uh, we, of course, know who the figure is. They fake... Being fake here, having a fake here, they fake the car, a car crash, mm-hmm. hide, hoping that Tintin will go down to explore. They can steal his car and leave him stranded. Right. But he doesn't. He just kind of takes, believes it seems to be walking back to the car. So the boss fires at uh, Tintin, but misses. So now Tintin is alert, alerted to what's going on. Yeah, good reaction from Snowy there. Good jump back there yeah. from Snowy. Yeah. And uh, gangsters. Good. A good thing I wasn't fooled. He doesn't like those gangsters. He had to deal with those back in America. <laughs> And uh, uh, but uh, Tintin gets the drop on the faker, and uh, then speaking of dropping things, the mysterious bad guy accidentally drops a rock on the faker. Tintin saying, "I couldn't have done it better myself." Yeah. <laughs> so he's out, and then Tintin's after the mystery man, who's about to push a rock onto him. Only the cliff gives way, and our mystery man falls to his death. death? Yeah. Remember, if you don't see it on screen. No one died. So are you saying every character in every Disney cartoon before, say, the 90s is still alive? Yeah. Okay. That explains House of Mouse. Because <laughs> they all are alive in that. Yeah. Poor wretch. You know, who was he? I wonder if uh, we shall ever know. Or has he taken his secret with him? He almost just looks to the audience and goes, hmm? Yeah. Please keep reading. I wonder. I so, wonder. So then he rescues the Maharaja's son who was kidnapped by the faker. Now, the next thing I just love because... They've got the figure strapped over the front of the car, uh, laying on the manifold. Like, there's the <laughs> exhaust pipe that's coming out of the, the engine. That would be burning, yeah. burning hot. But listen, he's a faker. He can take it. I guess so. He sleeps on a bed of nails. Yeah. That's fine with that. You know what? He eats live crocodiles. <laughs> he sure does. Yeah. Uh, happy reunion, father and son. And uh, his son doesn't want Tintin to go. And here's here's the thing that normally happens in these kind of things is like the Lone yeah. Ranger saves the town. Yeah. They go, oh, where'd he go? We wanted to thank him. Yeah. You know, Superman saves you. And it's like, where'd he uh, stay and, and celebrate Superman? No, I must go. Yeah. Uh, Tintin, stay and celebrate. All right. Yeah. I'll stay for a couple of days. Sure, I can stay. He's yeah, just, sure. Put me up in a plush hotel. I'll take it. Because, <laughs> you know, you're a kid. If you're a kid and someone's going, we're going to have a parade in your honor and give you fancy food and all this fun, you wouldn't as a kid go, none for me, thanks. Yeah. I'm off. You'd go, yeah, feed me. Put me up. Yeah, I'm a big hero. So it all works. 
Well, he gets a big parade. As uh, as he is wont to do. And of course, Erzsi gives us money for, for value with lots of elephants, lots of colors, lots of people. I think the elephants are there. Their reaction there is, I knew this guy back when he was my doctor. Well, that's how they got the elephants. Yeah. Tintin used his horn and called them in. <laughs> now they're it's like, what Well, they're the bragging now that they what knew him the when, heck? before the big time. Why did... Why did we come? Let me ask you this: Did they do a parade for Tintin? Uh, anything? Uh, anything live? I don't with this think one? so. I think that had kind of that had uh, come and gone. Come and gone. All at right. This point. But uh, we've got something to wrap up, and let's wrap it up within one page, or two, or three, maybe. Yeah. And so, and so there is a sort of a yeah. It's kind of a it is kind of a strange ending. And I actually wrote down, it's the Empire Strikes Back ending mm-hmm. because we know there's a sequel, and so you just have this weird resting point because it really can't end. It has to kind of just stop. In this sort of weird midpoint. Well, how long we would it be on? between stories? Like when, when, uh, when this ended, how soon before you know the next story, the the blue Not lotus? Not long began? at all. Not long. It was the same year. So yeah. So you so you don't want to go and we're all done. Yeah. No. You no, don't no. want to give people a jumping off point. But he doesn't do that anyway. I mean, it actually has in the bottom. It says you know this will be continued in the next story. Yep. So yeah, it's just, it's an interesting kind of. Well, why don't we explain what happened though? Actually, sure. Go ahead. So uh, they're. Uh, uh, they're presented with cigars, you know, uh, the pharaoh is presented with cigars, but uh, you hear, stop, remember, it is forbidden to touch the cigars of the pharaoh. Oh, uh, yeah. Ah, bring us back to our title mm-hmm. again. And uh, Tintin is like, oh, where'd you find the c- cigars? Uh, they belong to the Maharaja's former secretary. I knew he kept these hidden away. So when I couldn't find any of our usual brand, I bought these. But they are identical cigars. You know, they are uh, fakes, the brand, an outer covering of tobacco and inside opium huh. remember everybody yeah you're even that. yawning a little bit you know uh remember that whole drug thing from way back in the day that was the whole thing that's how they were smuggling uh, things was the cigars of the pharaoh yeah yeah and uh so we end with you know uh the 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 crazy people there's no cure we end with luke and leia standing at the window <laughs> yes. looking out into space yeah at all the kind of a sad ending because the insane will remain insane yeah and yeah. uh, you're right. We'll see you all again in Return of the Jedi. That's right. Uh, it is. It is. I mean, we've kind of talked about what we're while we were doing it, but yeah. I mean, even more than Tintin in America, even though there's still some cartoonish things that are happening that I think Erge would would no longer I mean, it's not going to allow in, in the, yeah. you know, as it goes on. He would not be jumping on a fat man's stomach. And yeah, using him as a trampoline. yeah. Those kind of cartoonish little slapsticky moments. There's going to be slapstick, but not those sort of impossible yeah. cartoon moments. You know. Those aren't aren't going to fly anymore. It's kind of like when when Keaton moved when Buster Keaton moved from doing uh, shorts to doing feature length films. You know, f- he quickly learned that it was fine to do cartoony things in the shorts, but it wouldn't work in the features where you needed more uh, more of a grounded reality in order to yeah. have the comedy. Well, the problem is that you're not in any danger because we know you're a cartoon character yeah. and can't be hurt. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. When you yeah. when you in your first scene, you're in a train. The train blows up. And you're, you're fine, fine yeah. except for tattered clothing. I'm not worried when a guy pulls a gun on you. Yeah. Everything's yeah. going to be fine. Yeah. And so in this story, I think we still do feel, in this story, we sort of feel that Tintin is at risk. Yeah. You know, when he's flying in a plane and he's being shot at or when he's trapped, uh, you know, sitting on a sarcophagus and there's a giant wave coming down on him. Yeah. Those actually have some actual fear to them. There's a, you know, it's paced well enough and it's, you know, and there's enough, you know, creepy things and a sense of foreboding that it gives you a, you know, like not knowing who this villain, you know, not knowing who right. wants to kill him for one thing, for sure. That gives a general sense of, of unease to the whole story. But also just that initial 
you know, scene in the, in the tomb, you know, that works really well because it kind of gives you uh, a sense of the seriousness of what's coming, you know. So even if there's little moments of goofiness, there's still a general sense of, of, of risk and it's peril. It's grounded, yeah. yeah. And yeah. we can go from there. There's a hard surface to bounce the ball off of, mm-hmm. unlike a man's stomach. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So uh, that wraps up uh, Cigars of the Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we've made mistakes... Or you want to add anything at all? Uh, SneakyDragon.com is our website. It's also yeah. the name of our other podcast. If you're going, this wasn't enough of you guys talking. I want more. You can you can hear our other podcast there. Yeah. Completely Beatles and Sneaky Dragon. And uh, we love to hear from you. We also have, we've just started up our Facebook page. Well, by the time you listen to this, who knows? Uh, but we currently have a Facebook page for Totally Tin Tin. Yeah. Uh, if you like it, that makes us feel a little better. Sure does. You know, it makes us go, hmm. Nice. Uh, we a, also it's a pat on our back, right? And Every like is this a is, pat on our back. This is the part in the podcast where we go, "Hey, why not review us on iTunes?" Because it helps us sure to get more listeners, and the more listeners we have, the more people can hear this. And uh, there you go. I mean, we're happy with you guys. Listen, you'll always be our friends. We'll you guys, be friends. we're not just we're not looking for sure. new listeners. You're not no, good enough are. for us. Uh, we're looking for new listeners. We are, but you're. But we're not going to forget our old listeners. You will be the few, the precious That's few. That's right. Our band of brothers and sisters. That's right. All right, forever. We're listen. We're all Team Tintin. Yeah. All of us. Yeah. The other guys who are going to join later. Johnny come lately. Johnny come lately. The Captain Haddocks come lately. Absolutely. Yeah. That's it. But we're the hardcore. We've been with this at the start. So yeah. Anyway, uh, can we, I just say one thing before we? Totally wrap up. Uh, not until I say sneaky d oh, at sneakydragon.com is our uh, email, so you can also reach us that way. Now, sure. Dave, you can wrap it up, please. Well, I'm not going to wrap it up. I just wanted to say, oh, did you mention boy. our Twitter? Sneaky, dra- sneaky, sneaky underscore dragon. Underscore dragon. Yeah. Right. Uh, so you can contact us there as well. Uh, I just wanted to thank Dylan, one of our listeners, because he wrote to tell us uh, that in the uh, talking about Tintin in the Congo. In the 2005 Egmont version that won the, the single English version that's been released of Tintin in the Congo, they actually used the page that was, was uh, done in the 70s to replace that rent, exploding rhinoceros page. They used the page that oh. Hergé had drawn specifically for the Scandinavian markets. Uh, that has been used in the new in the new Egmont version, so they don't have the rhinoceros. That really terrible scene of the rhinoceros being blown with, up with uh, drilling a hole. In the and I'm kind of two minds about it now. I'm kind of like, yeah, that's a terrible scene. Get rid of it. But I'm also kind of like, but you know, and then it's also part of what Hergé created, and you know, for it's all for its warts well, and everything else. This it is, is what it this is. This is you know? the thing. It's like how much history do you fix before it's not history yeah, anymore? Yeah. Whereas then all of a sudden the past is just this shiny thing yeah. that doesn't bear any resemblance to what it was. Admittedly, some things. Yes, we do. And, and admittedly, then, Hergé himself did that quite a bit yeah? to his own work. He polished it and repolished it to his liking. You know, he had no problem with right? with d- drawing. A whole story, not once, but twice. It's actually, yeah, it's a very yeah. discussable topic, and I'm sure we will on future episodes do that. Do that but more. for now, we are talked out. I am done. And you know what? Uh, in order to read the next one, in order for next week, I've got to get on it right now. So uh, we're going to say thank you uh, very much for your kind attention. I've been Ian Boothby. And I've been David Dedrick. All right. Uh, see you next time, or at least, you know, audio Lee. Yes. Contact you. Now let's go to the moon with Tintin. Tintin.